Hey friends, family, friends who are family, foif, and the odd listener that uh, doesn't know me. This uh, this episode is uh, exciting for me because it's one of my longer ones. It's uh, with someone that I always have a great time with, um, someone who's inspired me professionally, and I'm not even shy about telling them that. I, I'm not shy about telling anyone anything anymore, really. Um, podcasting really opens you up that way. But uh, we're talking about an incredible teacher, an incredible husband, an amazing father, a tech genius, although he won't admit that, which is fair. Um, yeah, just someone who just makes people around him better. So I, I think uh, when you hear about Ryan Adams and his uh, his adventures with camp and how that changed his life and how your past doesn't need to always follow you, that sometimes the report card grade doesn't tell much of a story at all unless you understand the data and you dig deep. And, uh, you know, for Ryan's sake and for my sake, selfishly, I'm so glad that uh, he was accepted into teacher's college because, yeah, as you'll hear, it, it came down to some numbers and you know, a little bit of uh, a human being explaining what being a human being is like. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. I certainly enjoyed recording it. But uh, if you get to know Ryan Adams, there's no such thing as a bad day with him. Enjoy, guys. Friends, family, friends who are family, foif, and the odd listener who somehow is listening to this that I don't know. Today, my guest is my good friend, the great and powerful, Ryan Adams. So Ryan is in the house, not literally in the house. We are outside of the house. We are actually underneath part of the house, under the, the roof of the house. We're in the carport. It's We're in hanging out in the carport. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got like that October drizzle, like you know, playoff baseball kind of weather going on outside. So I figured chilling here in the carport. And uh, yeah, it seems to be working for me, this little recording studio here with nature and the Blue Jays being pissed that we took our bird feeders away. I do hear the Blue Jays, which is perfect for you that there's bird Blue Jays screaming at you. Absolutely. They're screaming back at me. That's right. Not as loudly as I was screaming at them when they lost to the Rays super quick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That yeah. was borrowed time, baby. That borrowed was? time. Yeah. So, um, Adams, we were just talking about tech, as you and I just always seem to do. That's right. That is how we bonded it off the bat. Bonded. Right off the bat. Um, Years ago. Yeah, we're both complaining like first world problems here about our iPhones <laughs> uh, not having a home button and not being able to read our thumbprint anymore now that we're wearing masks and it's all... The face ID doesn't recognize no, me. Face I- yeah, no, face ID. Yeah, and I tried to record a new one. Like, you know, you can set it up to have like a second oh, yeah, face. yeah, yeah. I tried it with the mask on, and it's like, oh, something is blocking your face. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to make this my new face. Come on, Apple. Yeah. Apple's got to fix that. This is the new reality, right? Yeah. they got to figure this out. But Google will first. Apple will copy. That's right. And I'll, Apple will somehow make it slightly different so that it doesn't work anywhere else. That's true. Yeah. I wish they were more friendly with each, like, each other. It would make my life easier since my entire house is Google and my entire phone and everybody else's phone my family is all apple and they don't talk to each other very well and they don't talk to each other very well it's funny i try to be as apple and siri friendly as possible with our home setup 
but yours is the one that I'm chasing. Like your your household is the example that I'm like, I want my house as connected as that. But yeah, mine is a uh, mine's excessive. It is. Um, it is excessive. What do you have? Go. Oh God, uh, I've got smart light switches on almost every light now in the house. Okay. Uh, some of those, uh, there's a mixture, but mostly I've been sticking with sticking with the TP Casa Link, the TP Link Casa. Okay. Um, more, they just seem very reliable, and they work all the time, um, and they work well with each other. They work well with the Google Home app, and so some of the other ones, like I started off using Wemo, and Wemo is hit and miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And they just changed their whole app up to require like a more secure account and now sometimes when I go to bed it won't turn off my Wemo lights and I have to do it <laughs> with my finger like a chump yeah but I got yeah I got the light switches all over the place I got the smart doorbell the thermostat I got a bunch of smart plugs uh, I my wife allowed me to cut the wires to our gas fireplace and climb in there with this circuit board I bought off Amazon an alligator clip and some small wiring and rewire according the fireplace according to a youtube video so that i could now when i'm sitting in my chair i can say hey google my toes are cold and google will respond oh no that's terrible let's get those toesy woesies all snuggly wuggly (laughs) and it'll start up the fireplace for me yeah so yeah mine's excessive i did have a bell technician come in and say that it's the most excessive home he's ever dealt with (laughs) which i took as a point of honor, and my wife was embarrassed. I would, too. Yeah. yeah. What else you got cooking there with uh, all your tech? Uh, in the house, that's probably it. My entire life is now the tech, now that I uh, started this new role at the school board. Why don't you tell everyone about your new role in the school board? I am uh, an educational technology facilitator, um, which I'm still not entirely sure what that job is supposed to be, because right now... It is all just dealing with emergencies. Right. Right. Now that we are, you know, in the situation we're in where a quarter of the or third of the population of the students are in the virtual school and there are teachers in the virtual school uh, who are not comfortable using technology. It's one of our jobs is to help train the staff for using technology. And that is challenging at the moment. That's daunting. That's a big challenge. It is a big thing right now. Yeah. And then just getting devices out. There's a lot of teachers. We have a instructional laptop program, the ILP program, another acronym mm-hmm. uh, that I was put in charge of this year. And uh, it's been challenging because uh, people who for years have said, I don't need a device, now all of a sudden need one and want one right now. And uh, our policy is there are five online courses you need to do before you get a device. And some people don't like that. And uh, so I get a lot of angry emails and a lot of uh, requests as if they are the only person in that situation. Um, right. So it's challenging right now. But uh, Our world revolves around ourselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I got to admit, like, before I was in this role, I really didn't know what went on right. in the facilitator role. Like, like, it's frustrating. We get mixed up with IT a lot. So I get a lot of emails about, like, my ILP computer isn't working very well. Right. And that's not me. Like, I don't actually ever touch the computers themselves. Like, we handle the training and then IT hands out the devices and stuff or ships the devices to people. But um, 
But I got to admit, when I wasn't in the ward, I had no idea what went on. I didn't know. Right. So the best way I've heard it explained to me is like, if something is broken, you call IT. Right. If it's working, but you don't know how to use it, then you call us. Yeah, ah, that works. Yeah. So this is a step up from your last role as a tech coach, a job that I just thought was the coolest job oh. I went for, and I, I just couldn't get it. I just you couldn't. would be so good at it. Ah, thank you. So good at it. Yeah. No, that was that was my dream job, and I still. I still think that there is a need for that. It's unfortunate that the board did away with that role. Describe it, please. So the tech coach job that I had for the last three years um, was I'm a teacher in a school, but I cover 18 schools. So I made up a schedule, and the six of us made up a schedule, the six tech coaches made up a schedule of trying to visit as, uh, those 18 schools as often as possible, trying to make it somewhat responsive to what people wanted, but also making sure we get to every school. Um, and then you go in and, and you support the tech use within the building. So you could be in a classroom showing the students how to make a video using WeVideo or a podcast using Soundtrap or WeVideo. You could be uh, working with a group of teachers on how they can use Brightspace Portfolio to document and portfolio student learning. Um, you could be running lunch and learns or all kinds of things. So it was a lot of teaching still, but um, all over the place. So yeah, 18 schools just bouncing around, not really having a home base, just having a backpack and working out of my van kind of thing. <laughs> so that was awesome. I love that job. And it's uh, the, the funding, obviously, this is challenging this year. So the board right. has done away with that role. Um, but I was lucky enough uh, that uh, they had positions open in within the same department. We call it the Innovative Education Department at our board. and. Um, they had a facilitator position open, and I applied for that and got that. So, I mean, it's a step. I don't know. You said a step up. I, never, I wouldn't necessarily say a step up. It's a, it's a step in a direction. <laughs> I don't know which direction yet. We'll see. Let's see what happens when a pandemic isn't happening. Like, we're actively working through a pandemic. That's right. I'm not going to try and dramatize it or anything like that. We're just doing what everyone else has been doing. Yep. You know, trying to get by in the situation that we're in, but... Like, it would be nice to see what your job would be if yes. you're not pumping out, you know, machines to people who are teaching online that didn't own a computer for the first X amount of years of their teaching career, which really does, and I'm not trying to slam anybody, just just highlighting facts. Like, if you're freaking out about getting your five courses done now and you've been teaching for over the last 10 years... It really does highlight the fact that you've been avoiding technology yep. and that means you're going to be having to start out at a much lower place and you're probably going to get frustrated easier and become overwhelmed when you see the pile of things that we're all you know being asked to do now yep but you just being a techie guy whether you're a tech coach tech facilitator tech educational tech leader in the classroom or just like you know the guy who knows how to program the VCR and always did you're going to get lots of those um, people yeah. right now and I feel like they're actually listening now they, they aren't before and, and it is as much as it is like you said you know it is stressful right now and teachers are very stressed out and students are stressed out and facilitators are stressed out um, but n not necessarily more than any other profession where you're dealing with this um, differently, I guess. But uh, there is an opportunity here as well, mm -hmm. right? Like we talked about this last year that our department 
for the three years that I was a tech coach, our goal was to sort of introduce the idea of digital learning to teachers. And, you know, we were somewhat successful of that, but then the pandemic came in and we went to distance learning and immediately everybody was forced to be introduced to teaching and learning digitally, right? right. And some did it better than others and some embraced it more than others, but our goal is no longer introducing teachers to it, right? It's now, it jumped to how can we make sure that what teachers are doing are are using these tools well, Mm -hmm. right? Like instead of taking the same fill-in-the-blank worksheet and just scanning it and putting it in as a PDF into Google Classroom is how can we use the tools to make things more engaging, more interactive, more interesting, and, and you know up the quality level for the kids uh, as well. So that's sort of all of a sudden the opportunity we have is there's no more people that have never heard of Google Classroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The pandemic took care of that. Right. Um, and actually, I shouldn't say that because we are now hiring a bunch of new teachers who... Um, and a lot of retired teachers are being encouraged to come back, right? The Ontario College of Teachers sent an email out, I think, to anybody whose certification lapsed over the last 10 years, inviting them to throw your 100 bucks. Oh, no, they're waiving the, the fee Oh, okay. if you want to come back because boards are, are dying for people. So though some of those people, you know, as much as the teacher who's been teaching 10 years and avoiding tech, I have little sympathy for some of these like 70 year old teachers who have been retired for 20 years and are now like, you know what, they need me, I'm gonna come back. Yeah. I do sympathize with their situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they need help and they, I mean, we're trying as, as best we can, um, offering as, as much PD as we can virtually. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a steep learning curve for a lot of people. It sure is. And it's funny because you said that we bonded over tech and that's very much true. Like you came into our school, which is a big school, and we had a small tech team that was doing the best that we could. But you came in, and I felt like you actually were what everyone thought that I was. <laughs> like, like, oh, your computer's broken. Pagey will do it. Yeah. Pagey knows all about computers. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know all about computers. Like. I, I really don't. I I collect problems that I've like figured out, exactly. and then I remember how to fix that problem. Yeah. And like, fuck, even two days ago, I'm sorry, two days ago, uh, you know, I I needed some help with something, and I just sent you a quick text video. Yeah. And you send me a fix within like an hour. Well, yeah, but again, there is an age gap between us, right? And I feel like you were just exactly where I was at that point in my career that you were. Okay. You, I, I hadn't had any training in technology other than what I learned myself, just like you. But again, people bring you the problem enough times, you figured out how to fix it, and then you go from there. Um, I had just been brought problems longer than you, I guess, and yeah, that maybe. was about it. But I think we both have the same sort of draw towards the tech piece. And I don't know what your... Laziness. inspiration is but I was going to say mine is laziness yes. mine has always been laziness <laughs> um, tech makes my life easier do it for me yes do it I for want me it so I can focus me. on stuff that I need to focus on yeah yeah. my brother-in-law makes fun of me because I don't like to turn off light switches with my finger but why would I want to when I can just scream it into the ether and it does it for me <laughs> right and I put my I like I'm also become 
I've become my dad. I stomp around the house, and when there's lights left on, I'm <laughs> paying for this light to be on in the bathroom. So I, I literally put a motion sensor in my kid's bathroom and, and hook the light switch up to a smart switch so that when there's no motion for 10 seconds, the light just turns off. <laughs> which That's is really funny. Which is great, except when they're in the shower with the shower curtain pulled, then they can't see the motion, and it keeps turning the lights off on them while they're showering. They're trying to poop, and they don't want to do a TikTok dance while they take right. a dump. Yeah, it yeah. does make a mess on the walls when they're TikTok dancing <laughs> while they dump. Gross. Yeah. That's another draw to you. You're gross <laughs> like me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think we both have the same sort of... Uh, yeah, laziness pulls us towards tech, and then... Just sort of this idea that uh, we could figure it out eventually. Yeah, I just need time. Can you just give me some time? Mm-hmm. I say that a lot. All right, so this is how I plan. You'd ask Whoa. before you got here. I write, I write your name in the middle, and I do a little mind map, and I just a write lot. notes. Yeah, but we we cross stuff off as we go. Okay. How are we um, doing so far? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll cross things off as I look at them. <laughs> I think I got to start with the very first thing I wrote down. Which is Ryan Adams sucks. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Why did I write that down? Why did you write that down? Because uh, I have a T-shirt that says Ryan Adams sucks. That you um, wear on staff meeting days. That I wear on staff meeting days and certain other days where the kids aren't in the school. Um, mostly because it says sucks, and I feel like I would I would have a hard time justifying that to the students. Um, I have told certain classes that I own that shirt, uh, but I don't wear it in front of them. Um, but yeah, it was a. Uh, one of my friends said that he Googled his name and with the Google image search, and it came up with, like, a the picture of the McDonald's, outside McDonald's sign, and it says, like, you know, the 99 billion served, and then underneath where they could put the their own messages up, it said, you know, all are welcome, except Keith Nelson. <laughs> and that was what he, and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I Google searched my name, and it's just with this black background, and it just said, Ryan Adams sucks. And when I clicked on the picture to see what it was, it was an eBay ad for t-shirts that just say Ryan Adams sucks. And at the time, I did not realize that there was a musician named Ryan Adams. I grew up being mistaken for my Brian name being Adams. second for Brian Adams. I constantly, as a kid, used to say, my name is Ryan Nopey, Nopey, Ryan Nopey. that cut like a knife, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm stuff sorry. like that, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I got it. How's the summer, 69? And uh, were you waking up the neighbors? All kinds of stuff. But I never realized there was a Ryan Adams until uh, yeah I saw that T-shirt. So then I had to have one, so I ordered it, and I, I still wear it. It's I don't know. It's been a long time I've had that shirt now. That's a great shirt. Yeah, I save it for special occasions. Wash it with woolite and whatnot. <laughs> woolite. <laughs> oh man, I wrote down lots of stuff here. Um, one, let's talk. Let's talk about your family for a bit. Okay. I guess it all starts with your wife, and. I just think she is so awesome. She is awesome. She uh, she had not only sorted you out and got you <laughs> yes. to be the guy that you are today, yeah. but she uh, she planned that amazing Boston trip for you. That yes. was all a surprise. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. All yeah. that you remember anyway? Yeah, she did. She definitely did sort me out. I was uh, definitely a hot mess um, before meeting her, and she... Uh, she definitely sorted me out, gave me some direction, and uh, yeah, if I look at uh, all of the things that I currently enjoy and love in my life, it's usually, you can stem it back to her having sort of rooted that, the root of those things, like my children and my home and my career and all those things, I can point back to her as being the cause of those things. Um, but the Boston trip was awesome, yeah, so she, um, 
it was our anniversary, and we joked that like, you know, every other year one of us would go big and the other one either forgets or does nothing, and then the, the next year the other person is now expected to go big because last year, so one year I got a custom cabinet company to do our master bedroom closet and like completely gutted and put up cubbies and shelves and everything else. And she forgot and didn't get me anything that year. So then the following year, I got a little piece of paper that just said, pack a bag, you will need, and it was like weird things. Like you will need a bathing suit and a towel, shoes, pants, like like a list of clothing and things. And then a couple of random things to throw me off. I don't remember what they were, but it was like things that, just when you think you figured out what you're doing, then it's like, oh, why on earth would I need to bring a teacup? That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but everything had to fit. It said it had to fit in a carry-on bag. Okay. So I assumed, okay, we're getting, we're going on a plane because why else would I need a bag that only right. fits in carry-on? Um, and then she took me to the go train, and I thought this is weird. Don't need carry-on for the go train. And that took me, that took us downtown where we then hopped on the bus that takes you over to Porter Airlines. And then, so it was a plane. Uh, yeah, and it took us to Boston. And, you know, eventually when you get on the plane, you figure out where you're going. Uh, but she had arranged for the kids to be sorted out. Uh, somebody came, babysat the kids. And uh, we went to Boston. And she had everything planned out. Like, wow, we had some free time that we could plan, figure out on our own. But we were there for four days. She had got an Airbnb. Um, and she had organized a private brewery tour, which was amazing. If you ever get a chance to go on a private brewery tour, do it. This guy in an SUV showed up at our door at like 8.30 a.m. and drove us to, I think throughout the day, four breweries, four breweries, and took us to this fancy restaurant in Boston Harbor where we had a four-course meal and each course was paired up perfectly with a different beer from their own brewery that they had okay. at this restaurant. Um, so, yeah, four breweries for tastings at each of those breweries. One of them was the Sam Adams, uh, which was a phenomenal tour. Yeah. It's, like, informational and historic and hilarious. The The tour guide was really funny. We had the um, same experience there as well. Yeah. And then the guy drops us off, the tour guide at the end of the day, drops us off at Fenway for uh, a game. And... Uh, which we neither of us really remember because we had been to four breweries and uh, and a brewing a beer tasting lunch, and I do remember sitting down and saying, "I think we should have a pop," and my wife saying, "Yes, I think we should have a pop." So we had pop while we were at the at the game, um, and I think somehow we made it home. We're back to our Airbnb, but it was it was an awesome trip. We did the Boston Aquarium and we did some tours of the market and all kinds of things. It was a fun place. I really like Boston. We went to Cheers. We did all the touristy stuff. You actually inspired us to go to Boston, too, because my childhood, like, we didn't travel. We didn't, like, go places. You went to see family if you went somewhere. Yeah. And the whole concept of going somewhere that wasn't, like, a tropical beach where I could get drunk on the beach and do nothing for five to seven days. Like, I was like, I don't want to look at sites that I can look up online. Yeah. I just didn't think that travel was, like, important. And Amanda was like, no, I, I kind of would like to travel. And Boston was the first time that we went somewhere and didn't, like, didn't get drunk on a beach. Yeah. So it was awesome. But, like, I remember saying, oh, man, Adam said it's a great time. And Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's a fun place. And, like, you know, I, I think a lot of Canadians, we have this sort of negative stereotype of the U.S. 
especially these days. Right. Um, but it was a great. I really liked Boston. I found the people really friendly, and I couldn't get over how. I don't know what the word is. Unbusy. It was like the fact that we were able to cross streets in downtown during rush hour without getting mowed down by uh, by traffic. Compared to Toronto, the traffic is uh, is phenomenal in the city of Boston. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, we were there and it was just it didn't feel as congested. I don't. I'm not a big fan of crowds, mm-hmm. so I don't. Even, I don't like going into Toronto. Same here. Um, my sister lives there, so I go because I want to see family and. She's got my, my two nephews, so I go there, but don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it there. So I find it too busy and hustle bustle, and I'm always looking over my shoulder, and I'm one of those weirdos that if I hear footsteps behind me, I feel like they are stepping on my heels, mm-hmm. and I, I pick up my pace, and then everyone complains, why am I walking so fast? But it's like I feel like the person behind me is right there going to step <laughs> on my heels, um, and I don't like it when there's so many people around. I had like a mini panic attack once at a Jays game with Amanda. Because I could feel that exact same thing. You know, like some games when they're doing really well, it's just yeah. lineups everywhere, right? But I could feel being pushed from behind. I was being pushed. Right. And there was nowhere for me to go in front except like I'm pushing into Amanda. And I know she's pushing into the person in front of her. Yeah. And I'm starting to freak out a little yeah. bit, right? I'm like, hey, like back back up. <laughs> but you can't be the person at the Jays game turning around and be like, back up! Yeah. <laughs> back the fuck up! Like, you can't do that. No. So Amanda was like, are you okay? Like, what's happening? I'm like, give me a, give me, a, get me out of here. You gotta give me. So she like pulled me out of the line, and she's like, are you okay? Like, what's happening? I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, that was the last year that we had our, our like seats in the outfield. Oh and yeah. Then we wound up getting put back in the TD Comfort Clubhouse. Much and more respectable crowd. That's right, respectable and just limited, right? I think there's like two to three hundred people that come up there. It's a private entrance, private yeah. exit private bathrooms so that hustle and bustle part doesn't really happen and right that's why i'm good going to toronto 20 times a summer yeah because i'm going that way most of the time that's you know right. what i mean i i don't do well in the general public with like lots of heavy crowds yeah it's funny um, you bring up those outfield seats because i think the first time that you brought me to one of your season ticket jays game we were in the td comfort suite mm-hmm. um and i had never been to a jays game in that particular area before and right. I was like you have a waitress <laughs> <laughs> and you know her name and she, she knows yours she knows your name like, I felt like you were like I was sitting with a celebrity and she came waitress comes by hey Rick <laughs> can I get you your usual like, yes this is amazing and then the following year we were in your in your outfield seats and then the the two drunk girls behind us that were screaming at the at the at the whoever was out in the uh, in the outfield there screaming that they wanted to have his baby and they were so <laughs> drunk but they were like 12 or i don't know they weren't 12 but they were too young they might as well have been 12 they like, might as well have been yeah. 12 and it was uncomfortable because they were yelling things that we that like you should sh- i show be- my boobies yeah should yeah I no no my- don't want to hear like, this no 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 it was uncomfortable and then the following year you were back in the comfort suite and it was That's like right. this is where he belongs uh-huh. this, these are your people yeah yeah, yeah, it was nice. I, I like the fact that we go to a game every year. It's fun. I'm by no means the Jays fan or the Blue Jay, or the baseball fan that you are. I don't think anyone else is. Um, oh, of course there are. Oh, of course there are. Like, I would say in my circle. Yeah, that's fair. You are by far the most baseball fanatic fanatic person I've, I've I know. You know Christina Thomas. 
I do. Her husband, I mean, Matt, is my guy that I would say, you're the biggest baseball fan that I consider super close to. Right. I was you just know? listening on the way here. I've, I've caught up on your podcast up to the Spider Jones and Matt Thomas episode. All right. So I just started that one on my way here. Um, and I heard you say that, that he's the, that you, you like bow to his baseball knowledge. Yeah. In that whole episode, you'll hear like, I just kind of step out of it a little bit. Yeah. Spider Jones is a fucking pro. He's the reason why I do this and write things down because at the beginning of that one, he catches me oh. having not done my homework. That's like, right. He, I heard him say that. And then he right. says if he was your teacher, he'd make you go in the corner. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> we're not allowed to do that anymore, Spider. <laughs> oh, putting yeah. kids in the corner. Putting kids in the corner. You don't have your homework done, you go stand in the corner. Wear this stupid hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. stupid hat. Tell me headlights wasn't a thing back then too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was probably, I think probably everybody just had it. Hey, COVID or headlights? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just oh. kidding. Yeah. You don't want either. Don't want but, either. Uh, like whenever the, you get the headlights letters as a male teacher, I'm always like, oh, like I have shaved beards because it's in the room. I have shaved beards off. That. Yeah. Ooh. I, I, we got the letter once from my kids and, uh, oh, we didn't get the letter. No, my wife took my son to get his hair cut and she sent me a message saying the, the barber won't cut his hair. He's riddled with lice. And I was like, (gasps) and she came home and I had a pile in the backyard of every soft surface. I had piled up all the cushions (laughs) and the sheets and the blankets and I was ready to have a bonfire of every soft surface in the house. She had to talk me down off the ledge. But it was like, I just want every, it felt like they were everywhere in the house and they were looking at me and they were crawling on me and it was awful. Yeah. Luckily my daughter who had really long hair, she didn't catch it, but yeah, it's gross. Makes me feel gross. I had it as a kid. I had Did you? Really good. Grade seven too. Like you didn't need, you don't want not in grade seven. You no. don't want to be the kid that has lice in grade seven. I've I've been the grade seven teacher with kids with lice. Yeah. I don't know if that was when they shaved my mushroom cut. <laughs> if it wasn't, it should have been. <laughs> I look at pictures of me. I'm just like, you guys, you guys did me some disservices here. I yeah. didn't need a mullet. No, I didn't need a mullet. No. And if I wanted one, and it sounds like I did, you probably you're supposed did. to say no. Well, but at the time, it was the thing. I think in I think in certain parts of Oshawa. Yeah, in certain s- parts of Oshawa, it's still a thing. Sometimes they're a little behind the mm-hmm. times. I I don't know if new music pierces certain parts of Oshawa. Well, they stopped making good music in '96, so I yeah. don't blame them for that. And I, I think I agree with that, and so does my inner Oshawa boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the lead-in with Headlice, I was talking about your family here. Oh, yeah. I think your kids are the coolest and cutest kids that are not related to They me. are pretty good. Yeah. That are not related to me. Okay. I, you know, hey, Uncle yeah. Ricky. I know, you got... Uncle Ricky. You got world's best uncle, I know. I try. I yeah. try really hard, but your do you, kids... Do you go by Uncle Ricky? Is that uncle, your... Uh... It depends, actually. Um... It's very bizarre. Uncle Ricky is what I get with my mom's side of the family, with okay. my sister's kids. I'm Uncle Ricky because to my mom, I was always Ricky or oh. the boy. To her parents, the kid. Yeah. Or her brother or whatever. Always the kid. But uh, with Amanda's side, um, Colton and Zoe, we were hanging around in her dad's place, and, you know, farting around in the pool. And 
they were we were calling each other weird names just like whatever we were seeing around and I said I'm uncle and there was a bottle of sunscreen sitting on the edge I'm like I'm uncle sunscreen <laughs> please tell me that's stuck it's I still get called uncle you sunscreen. Got sunscreen that's awesome Holden's in grade six and once in a while he's like uncle sunscreen I'm like and the, the, the weird thing is I gave them names too yeah so I was like your ladder <laughs> So Zoe goes by ladder, and Colton, I he's like, what's my name? And I'm like, well, fuck, there's only like a, there's the ladder, there's the sunscreen. I'm like, you're pool. You're pool. <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm pool. Yeah. It's disappointing. Yeah. Like, shut up. You listen to your uncle's sunscreen. <laughs> you listen to yeah. I think it's hilarious that you started talking about this when you are talking about my kids, because we always made fun of Cooper, because my son never... He, he would always just name things based on what he saw. Right? Like, like he would get a new stuffed animal. Like, what are you going to call it? Lamp. You're, you're going to call your, your stuffed animal Lamp? I love yep. Lamp. I love Lamp. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when, when my wife was pregnant with my daughter, we were like, you know, what do you think? We, we realized we had, we had learned it was going to be a girl. Mm-hmm. Like, what do, you, what do you think we should name your new baby sister? And he said, Boxing Glove. <laughs> because that's what was lying on the ground. So for her entire pregnancy, we referred to the fetus as Baby Boxing Glove. Uh, and everyone in the family called it Baby Boxing Glove. My parents, my sister, my brother-in-law, they all referred to the baby bump as uh, Baby Boxing Glove. Yeah, that's same like idea. one of those things It's like, it's funny, but it would never look funny to anyone that didn't know the context of it. It would right. look weird. You would look like a bunch of weirdos. But yeah. really... Those inside jokes are the best. Yeah. I'm just thinking about your, your, is it your nephew that calls you Uncle Sunscreen? Yeah. I'm thinking about him in school when he's asked to write up, draw a picture or something of his family and like, who's this? That's Uncle Sunscreen. Uncle Sunscreen. (laughs) And Colton is, uh, oh, I love Colton so much. He's like the sweetest, most sensitive kid. Yeah. So like at Christmas, you know. One of the kids will start crying because, like, you know, they got purple socks, not pink ones. You've seen this movie before, right? Yeah. yeah. Colton would be the kid that would say, It's okay that you only got the pink socks, purple socks, and not the pink ones. Because Christmas is about family being together. And you're like, God damn it, you're right. <laughs> you know what? You're right. You're right, Colton. It doesn't matter that my car is white and not the red one. It doesn't matter, does it, Colton? I have family. He's just that kid. He's a Hallmark Channel movie. He is, yeah. 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 That's awesome. No, I, Sometimes I, people like that are handy to have around. He would call me Uncle Sunscreen in class, though. That's amazing. And there's that, I mean, someone might say, hey, I'm figuring out who wants to come to my birthday party. I might skip the Uncle Sunscreen kid. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, they wouldn't skip that. No, they wouldn't. It's adorable. He is like, he's such a sweet kid. But yeah. to talk about your kids, Cooper is like wicked well-rounded and likable and funny. Yes. And he, he's in French Immersion, and one of your favorite pastimes in a school is the same as mine, is speaking French terribly in front of French teachers. Wee wee. Wee wee ha ha. Yeah. Wee wee ha ha. And I got the added joy of being a tech coach in French Immersion schools and being invited into a French Immersion classroom and getting to start by saying, we will not be parlez-vousing any of the Francais up in here today. <laughs> I do not parlez vous the Francais, not even a petite peu. Not even a petite peu. And the, the teacher just shakes their head. And when I did it in my son's class, because I got the t- coach in his class, 
he gets, you know, sort of like a little embarrassed, but a, but a, like the fact that I got a laugh, he's a little happy too. Yeah, it's, I'm yeah. sure it's at least some part pride. Yes. Yeah. He always, I remember as when he was younger, he, he, he understood that I was a teacher and he understood that he had teachers, but he didn't understand why I was not a teacher at his school. Right. And I was like, oh, buddy, you do not want that. That would be awkward because I'm, I'm not a nice teacher. I'm kind <laughs> of a, of a hardline teacher. And, you know, some of your goofball friends are going to run up the wrong side of something and I'm going to tear a strip off them. And then it's going to be weird for you mm-hmm. because I yelled at one of your friends. I so like, yeah, it's, it's great that, uh, that, that you want me to, I think it's awesome that you want me to be a teacher at your school, but for your sake, I don't think that I would do that. But being a tech coach at his school, totally different. Totally different. Cause I'm not responsible for any classroom management. I get to come in and we're like, we're making movies. Woo. And the, the kids all love it. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. I often equate being a tech coach to being like the fun uncle. Yep. Where it's like, we're going to come in here and do all this great stuff. And now, oh, you go back to your parents now. Yeah. Now they get to force you to go to bed and eat your vegetables. Who wants cheeseburgers and cheesecake <laughs> right. and candy? Yeah. So, yeah, that was like three years of being a tech coach was literally like being the fun uncle. Who just like, I burst into your classroom for half an hour to an hour. Show the kids how to do something really cool or fun. And then it's like, I leave and then they say, well, let's get back to doing math. And the kids are, no! You know what else is exciting? Yeah. Fractions! Algebra! <laughs> yeah. All joking aside, algebra is great. It is great. Um, you were that teacher just in the hallway anyway. You'd walk down the hall when you were just a, a homeroom teacher, and you'd poke your head into rooms and be like, Hey, you're bringing your whole class to the playground too, right? Come on, let's go, guys! Yeah. And then you'd leave, and then there'd be a shit show that the teacher would have to put, you know, back yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah, I would pop my head in and say, hey, do you guys want to go to the park? And the kids would all be like, yeah! Like, okay, ask your teacher, it's up to them. And then I would just leave. (laughs) On my way to a prep or something, I would then just go to the staff room and work on my things. Uh, Yeah, I wasn't well liked for that. uh, It's it's a good one, though. Yeah, it is a good one. I like walking past and listening to what the teacher is saying and then abruptly interrupting and saying something that is not related or but it's only kind of related to something they they were just saying yeah and then leaving awkwardly yes and then yeah like that's my favorite and i i'm i'm doing it again man i think we got it i mean when i was one of my first years teaching uh we watched a video during a staff meeting about these i think they were called fishmongers people that work in the fish market okay um and it was a whole video about, like, finding joy no matter what you're doing. So these people are gutting and packing fish in ice. But they were having the greatest time. They're flinging these fish around the, the fish market and singing and jumping and dancing and flying these fish, these giant, big, frozen like fish. a live-action Disney movie. Yeah, and, and they were just having a great time. And they were playing pranks on each other and all kinds of things. And it was like, I don't know, not a lot of staff meeting PD usually sticks in my brain but that one did and one of the teachers that I worked with went and got a three foot long fish pillow and for the rest of the year you could be up at your classroom teaching up at the front of the classroom teaching and somebody could walk by the door and just fling a three foot fish pillow at you while you're teaching and then you then had the fish pillow and you would do it to somebody else and it was fun it was a fun way to to pass the time because our jobs can get serious and stressful and I think Definitely. Having a little bit of fun is an important part of it. And I don't know. I like having fun at sometimes other people's expense. Yeah. <laughs> not Nothing really bad. But no, never anything like hurtful. Nothing, no. Like 
you're the right kind of funny. You're the the kind of funny that like brings people up, not down. You Thank call you. out awkward things all the time too. I do do that. Like this is off topic, and which is effing with me, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Okay. But like, if something doesn't make sense, you're definitely the guy that's like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 though. That, but that doesn't make sense. That, that, that part didn't make sense though. The thing you just said there. Can yeah. we address that thing? And like, it really does stop things from getting muddy. You keep clarity intact. Thank you. I try. I have been accused of being brutally honest, um, which I had one principal say that she was warned about me, that I was the person who was brutally honest. And when I said, I said, okay, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. I said, some people appreciate that. And she responded with, not me. Okay. And I said, well, this is going to be awkward then because I don't think I'm going to change. <laughs> but yeah, I do like to... I'm not a fan of beating around the bush. No. I don't like to uh, leave things unsaid. Mm-hmm. And that got me in trouble sometimes. I have been known to put my foot, both feet, into the mouth at some times. Um, but I think you clear up more than you muddy up. I hope so. You certainly do. Like, you certainly do. I you're, hope so. You're one of those people that moves meetings along. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do try to do that. And I find if I'm ever in a staff meeting and there isn't someone like you doing that to keep us on point and things are starting to go off point, I then try to be that person. So in ways, man, you have inspired me to be that voice. That's good. Um, I hope. No, it is good. It is good. Thank you. Um, You know, as long as we're being nice about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and... We both had bad days at work where, you know, it all comes out the wrong way, but the intentions would have been the same as they would have been the day before when you were in a good mood. Yeah. And and I think it's knowing who you can... Like, there are people who appreciate the honesty. I'm one of those people. I would rather be called out same. than have people talk about me behind my back or whatever. I'd rather have people talk, like, pull me up and talk about it like that. And there are people that appreciate that, but there are also people who do not mm-hmm. appreciate that and I think you gotta know who those people are as well you I think know? it boils down to processing man like I feel like you and I are we think out loud sometimes mm-hmm. and we're not necessarily saying the thing that we want to die on or, or like you know mark on our grave we just said a thing out loud because we're thinking together because we're social beings yes. right so we get ideas bouncing back and forth and <clears throat> some people don't move quickly and they hear a thing and they get stuck on the thing yeah. and then like they're some people are more married to their ideas and I feel like you and I are both quick to say oh no 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 that, I'm sorry that's not what I meant to say or oh god yeah no that's wrong I can see that that's wrong like I'm yeah and and a willingness to be wrong mm-hmm. I think actually the podcast that I just finished listening where you, you and the is it Punit the rookie yep where you guys were talking about a lot of the, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter things and the um, affirmative action and stuff like that. And I very much appreciated the fact that both of you were shooting off ideas or topics or things to talk about and then being able to say, you know what, you're right. I hadn't thought about it that way. Instead of just digging in your heels, Mm -hmm. like so many people are unwilling to change and I've always hated like when news companies and things like that will will like lambaste a politician for changing their mind call them a flip flopper right because I always had respect for people who can take in 
somebody else's point of view and honestly take it in and think about it and then go, you know what? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I am willing to change my mind and I'm willing to see things differently. I'm not going to stand up for this idea that I proposed against all sense of, of normalcy or whatever, of, of reason. If somebody proposes something, an argument that is valid, and I think about it, and huh, I never considered that before. Mm-hmm. Totally being okay with changing your mind and being wrong. I mean, that's how we, we tell the kids all the time. That's right. That's how we learn. You make a mistake and you learn from your mistake, but too many adults don't want to do that. They don't. They want to be right. Yeah. Uh, my therapist said, we're not here to be right. We're here to get it right. That's, so, like, that's a good way of if that's it. the energy that you're bringing to everything where you're here to be right, you're constantly in competition, which means that everyone's not on your team which means you're doing a hell of a lot of fighting. Right. We're waiting for your turn to jump in. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that this podcast has really been the biggest thing, but I, I'm more awake now. Like, I'm more in tune with the person I'm talking to. I'm more listening yeah. than, than I ever was before. I like how you said that, that I'm trying to listen more by talking for an hour and a half on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording myself talking for an hour yeah. and a half because I want to be a better listener. I'm such a good listener. <laughs> Let me tell you but how good t- I am at listening. Let me tell you for an hour and a half how good I am at listening. <laughs> no, no, no. This one you get to listen to me talk for an hour and 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. like honestly, just making time, intentional time to chat with someone. Yeah. That's been the best part about this. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that I have been listening so intently to your podcast is because that's what it is. It's like, I don't know these people. I know some of them. Like when you interviewed a couple of teachers that you've worked with at the, at the village, I knew them. Right. Um, but by and large, the people that you've been interviewing aren't people that I know. So, I mean, you guys catching up is really theoretically not something that I should be interested in, but I was. Right. Right. And I was listening to it and I was laughing along. That first episode, you and the baseball, your baseball team, like I almost had to pull over. I was laughing so hard, my eyes were watering, and it was not safe for me to be driving. I almost had to pull over. It was what awesome. Part? What part? The, 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 the part where, I, I'm not sure what his name was. Was it Alan? Yeah. Who uh, decided to uh, manscape himself in the shower while there was a bell technician doing a service call in his house. <laughs> and he talked about how he was bleeding so badly that he thought he might have to uh, ask the bell technician to drive him to the hospital. <laughs> and, and I think it was you who said, wait. You decided to have a shower and trim your nether regions while you had a technician in your house? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> like, it was completely normal. That was hilarious. I was laughing so hard, I thought I was going to have to pull over. He yeah. cracks me up. But yeah, I think that's, that's, I don't know, I've really enjoyed your podcast. Like I said, even though I don't know the people, uh, just listening to you reminisce and catch up and talk to people that you haven't heard for in a long time. And... Yeah, it's interesting. Thanks, man. I'm glad you enjoy it. That's why I put so much pressure on you to invite me to, to participate today. You did not put pressure <laughs> on me. You definitely reminded me that you had said yes, because when I threw it out there, and I mean it, like if there's anyone that I know that is willing to sit down and talk with me, I know we can find the thing we can talk about for an hour. Sure. Anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're still following me on Facebook, and again, like I'm not even on Facebook anymore. No. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not using as much time for it, but... Yeah, like if you're on my Facebook friends list, we could probably talk for an hour for sure. Yeah. 
and yeah, I, I think I know a lot of cool people that, you know. Yeah. I was just talking about your podcast yesterday. I was, I went over to one of my new colleagues, one of the facilitators. Uh, he, he had a couple of people over to a socially distant backyard uh, hangout. How responsible of him. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was, he lives in Oshawa and he was talking about how um, Camp Samac where the, the where the Boy Scouts own the, that that property mm-hmm. um, has has been converted into a tent city for homeless people during the pandemic on purpose on purpose good the 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 the, the Boy Scouts have I guess agreed to uh, have their property be used for this purpose uh, but that he was saying he lives rather close to this this area and that he's seen these um, weird security trucks driving around and I was like I just listened to a podcast where I heard the city of Oshawa bought uh, or, or has given a contract to a private security firm to to sort of patrol around the, uh, the, the the homeless population and that's probably who you're seeing and so yeah I learned something from that podcast that you and your buddy were talking about there and then passed it on to others wow that's cool yeah it's cool I find whenever someone mentions that I have a podcast around someone who doesn't know they're always like, oh, like, what's it about? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, kind of everything. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm like, what's it called? It's Rick's podcast. <laughs> I gotta say, you got the catchiest uh, opening theme. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's awesome. I pretty much anything that's four syllables now, I turn into. It's Rick's yeah. Podcast. Like today, as I was leaving to come here. My wife was making craft dinner for the kids for lunch, and in my head I was singing, "It's craft dinner," because everything that's four po- everything that's four syllables now I put to the tune of your your jingle. Yeah. So is it your buddy Anders that did that? Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. Uh, well done, Andrew. That's a it sticks in my brain, and I find myself saying it all day long. Good plug. One. Good plug. Yeah. Speaking of camps, um, you've been doing a lot of camp work. Um, for the past bunch of summers, yeah, um, I wanted you to talk about that because it leads in nicely with the kids that we keep. You keep avoiding talking about your kids for some reason. You just keep jumping in with other things. Sorry, I'm, I get sidetracked. I'm just yeah, kidding. camp, a summer camp has been a passion of mine forever. Because along with like what we said about my wife having sorted me out, uh, I firmly believe that I never would have met my wife had it not been for the camp. I went to Camp Portha as a child starting at age 12, and I went there for several years as a camper. Uh, when I was too old to go as a camper, I applied and got hired there to work, uh, and I worked there for seven summers on staff. And then I took some time off and did the university thing and got married and all that, got a job. And then there's a, we have a strong alumni program at that camp, and so former staff members, we have an alumni weekend every other year where we rent the camp out and we all get together and do camp stuff and hang out and um at one of those alumni weekends I was talking to somebody that was still working at the camp about how they were planning on starting a kinder camp for kids that are going to be entering into kindergarten uh the following year or after that summer and they wanted to have sort of a program that was an introduction to camp as well as an introduction to kindergarten so they wanted to hire Ontario certified teachers um, to run this one week at the time it was one week five days of day camp um, 
And uh, so, like, literally they said, now i got to do is find a Ontario-certified teacher who wants to come to camp for five days this summer. And I was like, yeah, ding, 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 hello. So, yeah, I, my son was three at the time. And so we got to go to camp, and I got to I got the sort of the bonus of being able to watch him experience sort of the joy that I always had at camp. I got to be his counselor for the first few years at camp, and then when he got too old for kinder camp, he went on to day camp, and now this summer would have been his third summer of overnight camp, but the camp was shut down this summer because of COVID. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. I think it's such an, uh, I don't know, for me, it it changed i can look at where my life was going and then i started going to camp and it took a turn and it took a turn for the better right like i was i was a mess as a kid i was in a lot of trouble and i made a lot of poor choices and when i went to camp i wasn't there with the people from home i didn't have a reputation that i had to fit into um and the camp director my first day we were in the 12 year old boys cabin and we thought we were too too cool for camp and he sat the whole cabin down on the first day and said, listen, we, I can send you guys all home. You don't need to be here. If you're going to be jerks the whole time you're here, we don't need to be here. You're bringing everybody down. And he said, uh, there's no reason for you to be jerks. You don't have to be who you are at home. You could try something new. You're here for two weeks. Try something new. See how people react. Try being yourself. Try being comfortable in your own skin. See how it feels. See how other people act around you. And he kind of put it as a challenge. And I've never been one to shy away from a challenge and I took him up on it and I tried not being like a nutbag mm-hmm. idiot and uh, I found people treated me better people actually liked hanging out with me and wanted to be around me and the staff didn't hate my guts and and I started getting my way more <laughs> which yeah. was important to me so yeah when I went back to school I I wouldn't say that I was completely fixed but it did encourage me to act better at school and I didn't really academically do any better, but I definitely behaviorally wasn't in as much trouble after that. The choice piece was, like, finally going the way it should. Yeah. And I, like, I didn't feel like I had to be that guy. Yeah. Right? Like, I had this reputation of being the, the nutcase kind of idiot. That was sort of my class clown idiot. That was my reputation, and I felt like I had to fit into that all the time. And after going to camp, I didn't feel like it anymore. And it, so, yeah, it was good. And then, you know, being working at camp convinced me that I liked working with kids and I was pretty good at working with kids. And uh, so that encouraged me to try to go to university. Uh, I went to Lakehead University because I applied there to go to outdoor recreation because I thought I could make a full-time career out of being a camp counselor. Probably could have. And I didn't get into outdoor rec because I didn't have the job, the grades, but Lakehead said well we got spots in history if you want that so I at that point I had no other options so I went and Lakehead is where I met my wife and as I said she sorted me out after that and then uh, once she sorted me out I, my grades started doing better and I was able to get into Bachelor of Ed at Lakehead again and stay there and do that and then that led to me being able to be a teacher so yeah camp has been a really important part and I've really liked camp and camping and the outdoors um we this summer we did a lot of because there was nothing else to do this summer Mm -hmm. one of the benefits of that was we had more time to go camping this summer so we got the kids out on three canoe trips this summer we we borrowed some gear from camp Gortha. they were 
nice enough to let us use some of their nice light canoes and our one canoe and stuff like that so we could do some longer portages we were using my parents canoe but it's pretty heavy yeah it was awesome getting the kids i always found that like kids who get a mixture of outdoors and indoor stuff experiences experiences that they're more well-rounded kids and there's they're nicer kids they have a respect for the environment and nature and as well as like i've always been a techie person as we talked about but i've always had a really big respect and love of the outdoors as well and i wanted that for my kids and my wife feels the same way so yeah it's awesome like that was one of the best things about this summer there was that we had no soccer we had no camps to go to so what do we do that's socially distant from everybody else well you paddle two days out into the bush where you don't see another person the whole time and then you set up a tent and you don't even like one the last trip we went on there was nobody else even on the lake we were on it was awesome oh man yeah that would be cool yeah it was cool i wrote down that Cooper was so well-rounded and likable, but watching your tech coach videos last year <laughs> and how you started to interweave your own son into his videos, like yeah. into your videos, what did you call it? Mini Tech Coach Adams, he called himself. Mini Tech Coach Adams. Yeah. So I actually assigned that video where he was describing how to navigate Google Classroom yeah. from the student view, which is the view that like we're always missing, right? Like that's, Yes. You Teachers don't never solve see the that. problem yeah. by having your kid there and involving him in this project. You got to see the kid's screen as well. Yeah. And it made everything easier for everybody. But he was so awesome at it. And I know that you're going to do the thing where you're always like, yeah, I know, but I was there helping him. And, you know, it was very, like, you know, it was a lot of, like, honestly, man, it was cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My kids were inspired by That's awesome. what your son could do. It, it was it was a proud dad moment for sure. Um and he loves the fact that his video on my YouTube channel has more views than my videos. <laughs> he, he asks me to for tallies once in a while on how many views his videos have compared to mine. And his videos do better, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. it was awesome. It was good to, like, those first few weeks of distance learning, I've never felt like a worse parent than those first few weeks of distance learning. Where you just, it was, for, like, my family was particularly busy because my wife is, uh, works for a physiotherapy company, a national physiotherapy company, and she's in management of that physiotherapy company. And one of the projects that she was working on was this virtual physio thing where physios could treat people in rural areas through a video conference, which nobody had ever heard of. And why would anybody want to do that? That's stupid. Um, and they it, they just released it in January, this program, to Ooh. very little fanfare because people were like, why would I want to do that when I could treat somebody in person? 60 days late, they're like, oh, oh yeah. And then all of, a, yeah, all of a sudden it was the only revenue that her national company was making was through virtual physio. So she was trying to train the thousands of clinicians at the hundreds of clinics across Canada um, on how to use this platform. So she was mind-bogglingly busy. And then, yeah, like the, the world was, like the education world of my 18 schools was, it was nuts. Like, I mean, having 18, covering 18 schools was always a challenge. Right. But it used to be a challenge of each day, right? Like, I'm only here today. I'm only focusing on this school. Yeah. When the 800 plus teachers from those 18 schools we're all told at the same time, if you have any questions, reach out to your tech coach. 
that became very uh, unsustainable. It was like crazy. So yeah, we 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 both talked about how we we felt like terrible parents. Like at one point, it was three o'clock or something, and the kids hadn't eaten lunch yet, and or four maybe later than that. And we realized that the kids were just sitting on the couch on their iPad and had been there for hours, and nobody had had fed them or anything because we were both in back to back to back to back meetings. And again, Google came in handy. My wife said, you got those routines that go off. Why don't you set one to tell the kids to do things? So we set up bell times, which is hilarious because Google has now introduced bell times. They call it bell times. But we had set up bell times where at like 9 a.m. it said distance learning time begins. At 10, it said get off of screens, go outside, it's recess, play on the trampoline, play in the backyard. And as long as they were in the backyard, we felt comfortable letting them do it. Um, and then at lunch, there was one. And then, and then again at the end of the day and then... Yeah, it was, it was, we ended up having Google, we joked about it, but Google was parenting our kids for those first, <laughs> first few weeks of uh, distance learning. Uh, Why but not yeah. have the collective of like 8 billion people raise your kid? Why not? Sure. What could go wrong? Yeah. And so having Cooper do those videos with me, it was a way for me to do my job, but also interact with my kids. And then I did one with Caitlin as well uh, for her class where we had uh, a robin that built a nest in the backyard and she made a video for her class to share about the robin moving into the backyard. So yeah, it was it was a way to to keep working on stuff but also interact with the kids, which was really hard at the time. Well, I, I remember watching that video and seeing how into it Caitlin was and uh, yeah, that's that's my next point is your daughter is just so freaking adorable and if, if you don't keep your eye on her, like <laughs> you don't know what she's going to do. That's she's kind of unpredictable, isn't she? So yeah, your your daughter is just like hilarious. Yes. Um, cute as a button. I feel like if you guys wanted her to, she could go viral online all the time. <laughs> you just you just rolled film on her. Yes. Yeah, actually, we talked about that, that. That sometimes when she's not paying attention, we just pick up our phone and we just feel the need to just record her for posterity's sake. But yeah, you could you could put that on. Cause she's she's got such a vivid imagination. And she just loves to sing and dance things just by herself. Um, so it's awesome to just watch. Yeah, she's, she's hilarious. But she's going to be trouble. <laughs> she's going to be trouble. We, we, my wife was a mess when she was a teenage girl. And we, all, we joke about the fact that Caitlin has, like, teenage-level manipulation skills already at Uh-oh. the age of five. Um, and, and she knows how to, how to get what she wants using sort of like the her cute pootsy thing or whatever i watched she's 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 in dance class and i watched her one time in the parent viewing area there's glass between like a glass window between the parents where they view and the children when they're dancing and there's a big sign on the glass window that says please do not interact with your children while they're dancing we're trying very hard to keep them engaged Mm-hmm. And when you tap on the glass and wave, it drags them off track. So right. you can watch, but please don't interact. So I'm watching her one time, and she's sort of like, she's doing her dance steps or whatever, but every time the teacher looks at her, she's throwing a mope. Like, she's she's moping. <laughs> and I'm watching this for a little while. I'm like, what is she doing? And then I hear the teacher say, come on, Caitlin, you got to do your steps or whatever, do your jibby-jabby-jeroo, whatever the dance move they were doing. Um, and then, and, and Caitlin's sort of like sulking, but only when the teacher's looking at her. And then I see the teacher go over to her and be, what's the matter? And I could, I read her lips. I saw her turn and she says, I just, 
I just love you to the teacher. Oh, God. And I watched the teacher just go, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm, I start banging on the glass. Do not fall for it. She is working you. She is milking it. She doesn't want to do this move, and she is milking it. And, and then I got the, the owner of the dance company. He's like, please don't interact with your students on the glass. Like, but but she is she's milking it. She is working her, and she's manipulating her. All of you. She's manipulating all she's of everyone. you. She's got you all fooled. Yeah. But no, do she's Do not be awesome. a bystander. Be an upstander. That's right. She is awesome. Um, and... Uh, yeah, she just. But sometimes, yeah, you just you just want to film her because uh, actually, my wife this summer on our canoe trip filmed her for an entire like eight hundred meter portage, and it, it blew up on Facebook this video because it's just my wife behind Caitlin walking for eight hundred meters as Caitlin talks nonstop, falls down, <laughs> cries, get backs up, gets back up, keeps talking, gives my wife tips on how to walk through this area and watch out for that tree and just bah, 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 like nonstop. <laughs> 800 meters going at a snail's pace along this portage. Uh, it was hilarious. The video was so funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, she's 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 a barrel of laughs. And uh, uh, yeah, both my kids are good. I like them. And I I always feel bad for people who like don't like their kids. There aren't many of them out there. Well, there's. I know. You know what? There, I will say. Pretty much, like everybody loves their kids, but there are people who don't like their kids. Yeah. Right where they would, they would, they they prefer to spend time away. Like they need a break from their kids, and they want to go away from their kids. So that's not that's not normal. I, I think it's normal. Okay. But I, I, I feel fortunate that I do enjoy hanging out with my kids. Not you, to say you run home to your kids. As uh, yes. To not to say that, that they don't drive me nuts sometimes, and I don't want to wring their scrawny necks at sometimes. Um, I used to tell Cooper that I had a catapult in the van and that if he ticked me off one more time, I was going to fling him over the fence right into the creek. <laughs> uh, but I do enjoy spending time with them. I like to see them, and uh, I do enjoy getting home and, and seeing them. Um, and when when I think about things that I want to do, like vacations I want to go on or stuff I want to do, my mind thinks of things that I want to do with them. Yeah, that's so really good. I like, like I like having them around. They're fun. They're funny. They make me laugh. Um, and they're decent human beings, and I... They really are, which is why I don't mind hanging out with them. Yeah, yeah, you were a babysitter for my kids. That oh, was yeah. phenomenal. That was that was so funny. Babysitter Pagey. Babysitter Pagey, when you said in passing one day that at the, in the staff room, I think not long after we met, I was talking about how I couldn't find a babysitter because we had a Christmas party to go to, and there was no kids allowed, and I was having a hard time because it was Christmas party season. And you said, well, I babysit for your... Or I watch your kids. And I got home and I told my wife that you had said that in passing. And she's like, well, did you tell him that we need him? I said, well, no, I think he was joking. She said, well, you need to ask. It's like, I just met this guy. I feel weird. <laughs> but then you came and it was awesome. And the kids still love you. They think you're awesome. I mean, you knew I had a clean criminal record check. That's right. You knew I had the offense declaration checked right. off for the year. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I remember you fun. said. I remember you said if you if you come back and you pay me, I'm going to punch you right in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you give me a bottle of gin? I did. I bought you a bottle of gin. That's an acceptable way. That's right. To pay for a friend who babysits for you is you give them booze. Well, speaking of giving booze, I mean, I try to have uh, when people come to visit me to make a podcast. Yep. I try to always have some Falcon. Now I'm not sponsored by Falcon, but I could be. Sponsored but your ball by team Falcon. is. 
My ball team is. I'm wearing the ball team hat right now, aren't I? You, you are. My yeah. Falcon Brewery uh, hat. They do good work over there. They really do. So today I awkwardly said, <laughs> hey, man, we're going to do a socially distant you know, hangout, but can I be socially awkward and ask you to bring the beer for us? <laughs> well, first you said, I'm gonna, I'll have some Falcons there for you. And I was like, sweet, because I was going to bring a, a couple of beers. To, to, so we could drink a couple while we talked and you said I'll have some Falcons there it's like sweet Falcons kind of far for me to get to so that'll be awesome yeah and then you wrote and said so can you stop and get the Falcons <laughs> I kind of ran behind on time <laughs> yeah uh, yeah well, that's no problem well it was good yeah. um, you made a good selection what are you having right now right now I'm having a a lager a Hell's Lager Hell's Lager I'm rocking the Salem Road Stout I picked that because I knew you liked the stouts. Yeah, I definitely do. I just finished this Citra IPA, and it was delightful. It smells like a bouquet of flowers. Like, even smell that after I've drank it. It smells delightful. That does it, smell good. And it tasted amazing. Yeah, yeah, they do good work over there. And I like the fact that uh, they're local. That's one of the things this pandemic has really sort of done for us, is we are really trying to support local yeah as much as we can we like the the breweries that were delivering during the pandemic we were ordering having home delivery of beers because we did a lot more drinking during the beginning of the pandemic that we used to we were both talking about how we need to <laughs> we're gonna need some help scaling things back after this pandemic is over because we got a little too used to nightly beers um but it was great having the delivery and getting a local brewery to bring us stuff and then even like we were doing Wednesdays. I had heard somebody say Wednesdays was like order local day. So on Wednesdays, really? we were hitting Skip the Dishes or whatever, Uber Eats or whatever, and uh, trying to find not. Ordering local is what we've been trying to do anytime we're going out as well. Like yeah. uh, Fridays, we've been starting to get food, you know, from somewhere here. Big M Burger's not far. Nice. Zero's by the bay. Indian food, another Indian place opened up. So, yeah, we've just been trying to, like, pick something up on Fridays and just focus on hanging out and doing something together. Yeah. yeah Pandemic we, made everything slow down, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but we didn't have time to cook very often, so we were ordering. But I don't know why. I don't, maybe the, the big chains need just as much help. I don't know. But uh, it made me feel better about ordering pizza if I was ordering it from... You know, Michael Kelly's in Brooklyn, who's just this local pizza place right in Brooklyn that doesn't have any other locations. I felt good about ordering from them as opposed to Pizza Pizza or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good. I And we got introduced to some new local places that we didn't know existed. So That's yeah. what Falcon's good about is they try to get their beer in all the local restaurants and things. Mm. Like, they very much, like even Salem Stout, just naming it after, Salem you know, Road. Salem Road. Just, well, they um, name a lot of their stuff off local things, right? Yeah. Like the the Bomb Girl. Mm -hmm. You were there for that opening when we all went. Yeah. And the last living Bomb Girl, Canadian Bomb Girl, came to the opening. That's right. The one that they made the, the picture of. This is her. That is her. And they had a big... She's gorgeous, by the way. Remember she How said... How old was she? Was she single? She 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 was single. I've been widowed, I think oh. is what she said. I'm insensitive. Yep. And married. <laughs> But she did. She did stand beside the giant 
framed picture they had of the label. And she turned to us and said, can't tell the difference, can you? She was like 90-some-odd years old, and in the picture she's probably 20. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. A little piece of history. And uh, it's good to, to recognize that if you're local. I was trying to have that place be my little cheers. You mentioned cheers before. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted a place that was like local, I could you know, stroll up to, and they'd be like, hey, Rick, how's it going? You know, have a couple of beers while I'm picking up some beers and yeah. head out. You um, mean other than the TD Comfort Suite? That's right, yeah, <laughs> other than the TD Comfort Suite. Yeah, I stopped uh, coming in Falcon, though. I don't drink as much beer. No. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have on hand. It is weird going places now. Like, it's uncomfortable going into places, right? Putting on a mask yeah. and, and sanitizer everywhere and feeling like people around you are either too close or is that person going to come too close? It's, it's not as, I mean, it's obviously, it's, it is what it is. But, yeah, I'm not comfortable anymore. I went and met a couple of, you didn't come the other night, but we, I met up with a couple of people from, uh, from Crothers. Um, Boston Pizza Boston after pizza. Meet the Creature Night. At the Meet the Teacher Night, yeah. Um, uh, apparently you had other plans. Um, but yeah, but I was expecting to be out on the patio. And when I got there, they were sitting inside. Ah. And it was like, yeah, it made me feel yucky um, being in- indoors. And I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming at some point things will go back to normal. I, currently, I'm there with you now, and I recognize that throughout this pandemic, I can't say what's right. I just know where I've been, and my comfort level has been for different stages of it, right? Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not at the spot where I want to eat in a restaurant in, no. indoors. In fact, the first time I saw it, I was do, like doing takeout from a sushi place, and I saw people sitting and eating inside, and I was like, yeah. I actually googled the bylaw. Like, is it open? Yeah. Are they allowed? Yeah. What the fuck? Should I be getting my food from here? Mm-hmm. What's going on right now? But like. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been. I, I I'm really glad I didn't come then because I'd have been very uncomfortable. Being it, it would have been, especially if there was a fourth person at that tiny table, because I did not love the fact there was three of us at that tiny table. We were able to spread out, right? But I think a fourth would have made it impossible to stay distant indoors. Hmm. But I, I I I don't know if you've had this conversation with Amanda, but Chris and I have had this conversation of like, we need to start pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone a little bit because we were becoming hermits mm. right other people were moving on and and other people are in different stages of what they believe and what they feel about this thing and but i mean for us we were we're both kind of rule followers and we were following the letter of the law right like this many people this distant apart outdoor gatherings indoor gatherings all those kinds of rules we were following them all to the letter but other people weren't and then after a while, you start feeling like, am, am I the crazy one here? Right. And I don't know. It's it's weird. So then, you you know, but you do start missing people. So we both talked about, like, the first time we went and uh, had an outdoor visit with our neighbors up the street who used to be our next-door neighbors. And, like, the kids could play. And they were doing a good job of staying apart. But seeing the kids being able to play with their friends again after months of nothing mm-hmm. was awesome. And then also being able to have a conversation in the reels with other people, even though we were out in the driveway, we were all sitting on chairs that we brought ourselves and staying distant from each other. 
but it was the first time and we both said like like the, the, that night we had this like almost like a sugar rush kind of high of like we're so excited we got to see other people and yep. and then the next day was like a crash like I miss the other people I wish we could do that again it was all it was like you felt even worse kind of like the like the next day and now we're back into our I'm going back into the basement to get to work and like it was just it was kind of like a like a like the crash after a sugar high it was like it was a letdown but yeah we have to keep pushing ourselves a little bit because i don't know we yeah we got a little too comfy sort of in our own little cocoon and didn't want to be the people that just start losing touch with people either because we are social creatures we are we got to find ways to connect i think it's all about mitigating risk and like calculated risk right like right um, what are we okay with what are we not okay yeah. with um i like that there's like a, a lot of consensual conversations happening like like last night i went to my sister's place uh, today's my my niece annabelle's birthday nice. happy birthday kiddo don't be listening to this though <laughs> too young too young it's too boring I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're not boring, man. I'm just saying you're going to be boring to a five-year-old. I should be boring to a five-year-old. Yeah. I should be too, except yeah. if I'm like in charge of teaching her or something. Yeah, Unky Sunscreen. Unky Sun. This is Uncle Ricky. Oh, Uncle yeah. Ricky. No, it's okay, man. It's, it's all right. good. Yeah. I don't expect you to know all the branches <laughs> on my family tree. Um, geez, what the hell was I even saying? Pandemic. Oh yeah, yeah. And like my sister's like, hey, uh, you know, this is what we've got going on. There's sanitizer over here. Everything has been done. Blah blah blah. No no no. Yeah. I'm like, cool, we talked about everything, you know? Yeah. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It is weird now because things are getting worse. So, yeah, it's weird now because things are getting worse. But things are more confusing, right? It was simpler back when everything was just shut down, right? Yeah. Don't we go out, scaling, don't do anything. We were scaling, like, up from a, a basically a shutdown. And right. now we're scaling back from a, I don't even know where the fuck we were because I was just doing what I was comfortable with, right? Right. And, and when everything was just shut down and you were told to just stay in your house as much as possible and went out for groceries and that was pretty much it, it was simpler. But now it's like, you know, numbers are going up, bubbles are shrinking, but classrooms are open and don't meet with people, but restaurants and stuff are still open. It just, it's confusing now uh, about what you should and shouldn't do. And, you know, like, Caitlin... I mean, the the pandemic was hard on her. Mm-hmm. She Cooper was lucky. He's old enough that he was able to virtually hang out. He gets his Fortnite going and gets his headset on, and his four buddies are all on his in his ears, and they're all screaming and yelling and shooting people in Fortnite. On a given out. day, he might be happier than he was before. Sure, yeah. yeah. And it was like as much as we were like, I don't really love the fact that he's playing this much Fortnite. It is the only way that he's interacting with his friends. So yep. we, it was a weird kind of like okay i guess we let him have this one but caitlin's five and she doesn't have that and she didn't have the ability to virtually and if you've ever watched two five-year-olds try to have a video call it is awful <laughs> it's awful they just stare at each other and 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 don't say anything and it's just one big long awkward silence and then you're like ask ask if they ask if they have a pet do you have a pet yep <laughs> Ask them, ask them, ask them what kind of pet? What kind of pet? It's a cat. You're playing Sims. It was awful. <laughs> so, like, yeah, she she had a rough go with the, with the pandemic. So her birthday is coming up now. And things are getting worse. And it's like, you want to have a good birthday for her. 
but they don't know what people's comfort levels are at. Mm-hmm. So I think we found something that's going to work out. We found this company that, that that has two different options. I think one of them probably came post-pandemic, but it's a, a bead jewelry making company. And normally, I think what they would do is they would bring an instructor to your house, your birthday party, and teach all the kids how to make a beaded bracelet. Okay. Right? Um, so then what they now offer is these ready-to-go kits. So you can buy a kits for a certain number of kids. comes with written and a video instructions. Okay. Um, and so what we thought we would do is we would invite all the people she wants to invite. Um, and then give them the option to either join us in person in the backyard, socially distant backyard birthday party where everyone will have a kit. They can make their own little bracelet um, or they can join us virtually. And if they choose to join us virtually, I'll set up a Google Meet or whatever and they will be able to follow along with the instructions from their own home. We'll drop off the kit well enough in advance that they can sanitize it or whatever else they need to do to make sure that they're comfortable with it but then she can still have her friends at the party and they're all still sort of doing something together um but we're trying to make sure everyone's comfortable right because not some people are not comfortable coming even to a backyard socially distant mm-hmm. i don't blame them for that no with the way numbers are going and our the school my kids go to just had a confirmed case and that okay. was a freaky i thought i had everything pretty well under control until we got the letter saying this confirmed case at the school and then i was like pull them out Let's sign them up for the virtual school. You know, I kind of freaked out. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's everybody's in a different place. And so, but we wanted to make sure that the birthday was something good for her, right? Like, right. you know, like Cooper had his birthday at the very beginning of the pandemic. Kids is in April, beginning of April. So there was no real way around it. We were having a virtual party because everything was still in full shutdown. Right. So we had a virtual party. We had all his friends sort of join in and, and they sang him happy birthday and they, the house party app where they could play games. Have you ever used that one? No. So it's it's like a Google Meet, but there's embedded games. It's I think it's owned by Facebook. Um, so it's like a Google Meet, but then you can play X number of games together. Everybody's like Jackbox style games or? I think so, yeah. So they, they, there's some trivia games and some mysteries and things like that, uh, like puzzle games or something like that that they could play. They could choose which one and you do like a little game, but everybody's in their own houses doing it. So we did that for his birthday. Uh, with Caitlin, it was like, you know, we want to do some in person if people are comfortable, but can't do it for everybody. Right. So I think this will work. We'll try it out anyway. But it was hard for her. The pandemic was definitely, pandemic was definitely hard on her. She became very isolated. You just got to remember, like, when we zoom out, when this is over, because we'll get through it eventually, it's going to be this much of her life. Yeah. You know? Like, we like to extrapolate as human beings. We like to take what's happening and, like, you know, figure out the cause and effect and what it's going to look like. But in reality, everything gets so much more manageable with time. So we just got to get through this, zoom out. All the learning gaps will get filled. Yeah. All the kids that are a little socially weird because they didn't, talked to people for yeah. a year and a half very especially well. since it happened to everybody it happened to everyone right yeah. at the same time so it's not like you know like there are kids like i've taught a kid i think maybe you had uh her in your class as well who had um cystic fibrosis and she would miss huge chunks of the school year because she would have issues with her lungs and have to go into the hospital but it only happened to her right whereas this one at least it's happening to everybody. So everybody is the same behind, right? Everybody missed the same chunk of 
the world and learning and everything else. So yeah, there is that that benefit that it's everybody's on the same boat, right? Yeah, and to bring it down like back to where we started with the tech and everything, I felt like it leveled the playing field between myself and my staff. The stuff that I had been using for a couple of years, just like you know, better ways of teaching and assessing, more efficient. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they were getting told in PD, like, hey, try this, try using this, try using that. And now we're all kind of at the same place. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because I'm not really ahead of anyone anymore. Like, yeah. Michelle Keon? Holy crap. I don't know how long it's been since you've interacted with her, but, like, she Just was always... Just saw She's such, like, a, a superstar teacher anyway, yeah. but I told her, like, a couple weeks ago, I'm like... Since oh, you, you're you're six seven now, right? Yeah. So you're she's, right in there with, with Middlestat and and Keon. That's right. That's a very techy grade six. I know. Between you and Keon and Middlestat, that's no between them two alone. Yeah, but Forget I mean, you throw me. you into it, yeah. I guess, but I, like so far, I've just been kind of surviving, you know, just doing my own thing. But she has leveled herself up like a couple of different times for sure. That's yeah. why I said I'm like you. You were always amazing, but now you're leveraging digital and shit. Like, you are killing it. Yeah. She's like, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, she's awesome. She's one Both of those two. Those are... And then, who are your grade seven partners? Uh, Sweetman and Sweetman? Tustin. Tustin. Yeah, 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 like yeah I, you win. I know. Yeah. And people have been coming by, and they're like, hey, you know, you got the six, seven split. How you doing with that? Mm. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm good. Yeah. I'm well, so it good. it is supposed to be the worst split. It, it, it is supposed to be. You know, yeah. it probably is. That's what I was supposed split. to have this year. Six seven. Were you? Yeah, that's what I took on the transfer routes. Before uh, two days later, I got the facilitator job. Lucky, lucky. Yeah. Um, but, speaking yeah. of your job, I wanted to ask: When did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Oh, I I don't probably very early on, but I I was fairly convinced that I would not be able to be a teacher. Because I, like Thought I said, you dug a hole socially. I, I could no academically. I was just never much of a student. I was sort of a straight CD student most of my life. Um, I got tossed out of college after one year. Got a letter saying you are not permitted to continue in the course you are currently enrolled. And I worked for a year doing landscape construction. Um, so I just, I always, I mean, I was the kid on the street. That babysat all of the younger kids. Okay. From right from the age of twelve, I took the babysitting course, and I babysat my entire neighborhood. I was the oldest kind of kid in the neighborhood, and the parents were so excited when there's finally somebody on the street that is old enough to babysit. They can go over dinner again. Yeah. So I was very busy. Um, and then, like I said, I started working at the summer camp, and uh, that gave me such an advantage. Like not so much curriculum wise but management like mm-hmm. managing a group of children um you know when i was whatever 16 i was in charge of a cabin of 8 to 12 kids for one to two weeks all day and you've got to figure out how to manage those personalities and the ups and downs and it was an extra challenge because you have them at night and kids. That's oh. usually when homesickness kicks yep. in, and you know, bedwetting and be an asshole. They're gonna do it then. Yeah, and like, there's so many sort of things that that as teachers we don't see that you then have to deal with when you have them 24/7 for a week or two. So it was quite a a good experience for me. Uh, but like I said, yeah, teaching was always something that I, I I can probably say that 
right from a very early age is what I wanted to do, but I had sort of pushed it out of my consciousness because I didn't think that I would be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I met my wife, and um, I have adult ADHD, and that's something I'm fairly open with, uh, that uh, I was undiagnosed until I was 23 years old, and uh, so it was a struggle most of my life where I was, I had convinced myself and others that I was just dumb, lazy, mm-hmm. and stupid, and I kind of believed that about myself. I never really strived for more than a C. Okay. So the things that I did really well at, I got a C because that's as far as I shot, and the stuff that I struggled with, I got a D because... I always did just enough to pass, and that was it. Um, and then, you know, like my parents would get frustrated because they I, they knew I was capable of more. Mm-hmm. But parents, whatever. Your parents get frustrated with you. That's a normal thing, right? It doesn't. You can you be don't the best, to, and they'll get frustrated with you, right? But you also never. I don't know. You never worry about your parents leaving you no. because they're so frustrated. But when you suddenly have a girlfriend who's frustrated with you. And it gets to the point where you're like, she's going to break up with me because I'm such a mess. Like, the, the the straw that broke the camel's back was we had a friend's birthday party to go to. And I had, because I was in history, okay. I had one paper due per class per semester. It was a really easy schedule. I had a class, and at the end of each semester of that class, I had a paper due. That was the only work I had to do in history. And one of those giant papers that was due... Well, that was the majority of my grade for the year was due the next day and we had a friend's birthday party to go to and so Krista left my residence and uh, uh, the townhouse I lived in and said okay nine hours I will be back and we were going to go to this birthday party this paper is due tomorrow you have nine hours I'll see you in nine hours and she got back nine hours later and said so are you done? And I was like, there's no way that was nine hours. I haven't even started yet. I don't understand what you're talking about. And it, I don't know what I did for those nine hours, but it was nothing productive. I just sat in my room and played on the computer or whatever it was I did. And she was so mad. So mad that I thought, like, this, I better do something. And uh, so that summer, between second and third year, I talked to my doctor who referred me to an adult ADHD specialist. Uh, operated in, out of Barrie. He was the only one in southern Ontario, but he was his office was in Barrie. And so I went to see him four to six times, I think, over that summer. For uh, He did a really thorough diagnosis. He had me do a bunch of tests, and he had Krista drive in from the Sioux to talk about me. He had me dig up my old report cards and take pictures of my living space and do these tests on the computer. Um, and he after all that said uh, you you got a whole lot of ADHD going on you are you're a full mess so that he started I, I started uh, getting medicated for that and that was a tough I feel so bad for kids because I was an adult and that process was tough trying to figure out which medication to use and what dosage to use and I was an adult who could fully explain how it affected me Right. Right? Like some of them caused wicked insomnia where I didn't sleep for three days and then would sleep for two days straight and mm-hmm. then would be up for three days. And some of them I stopped eating and some of them, you know, caused wicked anxiety where like 
I would get like heart palpitations for no reason because I was just anxious about everything. So there, there, there's a bunch of you know, they have to find the one the dosage and the medication that works for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel for kids that are going through that process because, like I said, I was an adult who was able to fully describe to a doctor, here's how it's affecting me. I am getting wicked insomnia from this. Where a kid would just maybe not even know that. And even if they do, the parents might think mm-hmm. that they can override what they just said, and, and they know better. So yeah. you know, well, what he—he's not really, because you don't really talk for yourself when you are a kid, right? And right. You should maybe more often, but but yeah, it was a challenging process. So it took me a couple of years, but even as I was going through that, my academic life improved. I went from, like I said, never getting a, anything higher than a C, to never getting lower than an A. The following year like year three and four of my four-year degree I never got lower than an A and then that allowed me to apply for a bachelor of ed and I had to put a caveat in with my application because you have to put in your last two years but because I was applying when I was in my fourth year I had to use second and third year's marks and my second year marks were C's and my third year marks were straight A's okay so I had to like I feel like I had to write a letter like I feel like I need to explain yeah (laughs) So I, I, and they, they took me, so uh, I was happy about that, and I, you know, lucked out because I, like I said, I don't know what else I would have done with a history degree, go work in a museum, dress up, and go. I think it just leads to teaching. Uh, yeah, I think it has to, it right? Just does. Yeah, I don't know what else you do with it. I mean, somebody said like you could get, you know, get some old timey costumes and go and do reenactments somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, like I said, teaching is what I've always wanted to do. But it took a long time before I felt like I was capable of it. Well, thanks for sharing that story, man. Like, No problem. I've used your story to help parents understand why it's important to medicate their child, if, if that's what is being said by the doctor. There's a lot of stigma around that, yeah. So much. And yeah. it really is. Between you and my wife, those are the two like analogies I bring up. Like, uh, Amanda's diabetic, so she... Her body doesn't produce enough insulin to be able to, you know, meet the needs of the diet yeah. that we eat, right? So she needs to introduce something that her body doesn't naturally make so that she can be like everyone else. Yeah. It's the exact same fucking thing as you taking yeah. that pill. Gives you what you need so that you can regulate yourself. Yeah. And this doctor in Barry told me to read a book called Driven to Distraction. I don't remember who wrote it. It's been a long time. But what that book said was... No, there is no stigma attached to somebody who's nearsighted putting corrective lenses in front of their eyes to compensate for the fact that their eyes do not see as they should. Right. But if your brain does not accept dopamine across the dopamine receptors in the way that a normal brain does, there's a stigma attached to using medication to allow that dopamine to travel the way it should. And there shouldn't be. Right? We're both using some sort of technology to allow the body to operate in a way that it should. Now, that doesn't mean you should medicate every kid, and that doesn't mean that it's not that ADHD is not over-diagnosed, uh, because it can be, and a lot of teachers and parents, any kid that is difficult. difficult, they will potentially label them. But I think if an actual doctor diagnoses a kid with some sort of a, a treatable learning disability... You should treat it. Mm-hmm. Be- and we've probably both had students in our class that you know would benefit from it. 
Yep. And I've had students in my class that have been on medication and you see them improve. And then for whatever reason, the parents have decided to take that kid off the medication. Always during like Christmas or March break? Or, or, or altogether. Like, sometimes it's like a, it's a split decision between mom and dad. Mm. But one does and one doesn't want the kid to be on it. And they try it and then they to go off it. And you see the, the result and you feel bad for the kid. Because for the first time they felt normal. Um, and there's a look in their eyes yeah. that you can see that's just different when, yeah. when they don't have the thing that they need so that they can function. Yeah, and I'll never forget the doctor, this adult ADHD doctor, Dr. Bilkey in, in Barrie, asking me in my very first appointment how much cocaine I do. <laughs> and I was like, um, excuse me, what? And he said, just like on an average week, how much cocaine do you do? And I was like, I don't do any cocaine <laughs> at all. And he said, so, so you've never tried it? And I said, no, I've never tried it. And he said, oh, you're very lucky because people with ADHD have a much harder time kicking a cocaine habit if they've ever tried it because the medication that we take for our ADHD is a stimulant medication. And so cocaine, I guess, people that try cocaine who have ADHD, they not only get the super fun times of the cocaine – but they also have the benefit of feeling normal afterwards, being able to focus, get their job done, feel like a normal person. And so you get it's doubly hard to quit. So he just he said he only deals with adults with ADHD and 90% of them are, are, are usually come to him with some sort of a cocaine habit. And I was like, holy crap, I had no idea. So it's a good thing I never tried it. Because no <laughs> apparently I would probably have still been on it. Well, that leads me to, would you tell the story of the time that you wound up having a student-teacher placement at your old elementary school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, uh, my second, no, my first placement in teachers in Bachelor of Ed was uh, at my elementary school where I went from grade one to grade eight. And um, when I, I really didn't think anybody would that would, that would remember me would still be there. It had been a long time. Uh, and there was a couple of teachers there, but the head secretary was still the same as the day the school opened. I, I was there the first day the school opened. I was in grade one. And I was, like I said, I was a bit of a mess as a kid. And I got sent to the office a lot. And this poor secretary was left to deal with me and my friend Jay a lot. We had pillars outside the office. This is Jay's pillar. This is Ryan's pillar. <laughs> and we spent a lot of time with her. Um, I believe she took a leave of absence one time and put my name down as the reason she requested the leave. Um, <laughs> anyway, the way the office was sort of set up, I walked into the office and she was sitting at her desk and I said, hello, my name is, and she said, Ryan Adams, what are you doing here? And I said, hello, Miss McDowell. I'm, I'm actually starting uh, student teaching here today. And she was completely flabbergasted by that and, and sort of like, uh, like a deer in headlights kind of asked me who I was teaching with. And I told her and she gave me the key to the room, all kind of phased, like, like disoriented. 
And I walked out of the office, and right outside the office were all the pictures of the graduating classes sort of hung up on the, on the, above the, the door. And I stopped right outside the door to see if I could find my graduating class photo. She didn't realize that I had stopped right outside the door. So the minute I walked out the door, she got on the phone, and I don't know who she called because I only heard one end of the conversation, but all I heard was, you are not going to believe here, believe who just walked in here to be a student teacher. Ryan fucking Adams. <laughs> I need to retire. Is all she said. I need to retire. And I thought, I have made a terrible choice coming to this school. Of all the schools I could have requested, why on earth did I say that I wanted to come here? This was a bad choice. And it ended up being awesome. She ended up like, she did retire that, that December, but the last... Did you push her over the edge finally? Yeah, I what? guess so. She, uh, <laughs> those last few months, because my placement went up to winter break. Okay. And she was retiring over winter break. So I got to be there for her. It was awesome. I got to be there for her retirement. Because she was the only secretary that school had ever had. All the old teachers, yeah, from the day it opened till then she retired, she was the only secretary that school had ever had. Wow. So the old teachers from my era came to her retirement party, and I got to see them and, and, and that kind of thing and talk to a few of them, and they were all happy that I hadn't ended up in jail or anything else, <laughs> that I had uh, <laughs> sorted myself out. Um, so it was great. It ended up being great. And she brought in the old yearbooks, and we spent time in the lunchroom, in the staff room at lunch, sort of reminiscing about things and we laughed about the fact that I almost made her quit on several occasions, and yeah, it ended up being great. But I, on that first day, I felt like this was a bad choice. I should have picked any other school That's than this funny. one. Yeah, it was great, though. It's funny. I wrote this down with a bunch of question marks because I wasn't, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about your ADHD because oh. I know that you are pretty open with it, but I didn't yeah. want to like yeah, yeah, leave us it. there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I wrote here the time that you forgot your brain pill. <laughs> you I was thinking of yes. I almost sent you a message uh, about two weeks ago because I forgot it again. I almost sent you a message just saying, I-, I need a coffee and some of your deodorant from your hockey bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That day was so funny. Uh, we would meet up in the parking lot, you know. we both kind of early people as far as work goes. So I see you in the parking lot and you come over and you're like, hey, Paigey. And you had something, the board was coming to the like... The board was coming to videotape my classroom for one of their, their video series movies about, like, technology in the classroom. Yeah, take it, man. Take it away. No, no, you do it. Okay, all right. So you, you come over and you're like, Paigey, uh, today's the day that they're coming to film the thing. And I, uh, I well, this morning, Krista talked to me while I was brushing my teeth. <laughs> and so I didn't take my pill, which means I didn't, I, I didn't put on deodorant. I forgot my coffee. And... <laughs> And you, you were like... I was a complete you were, mess. You were a good 9 out of 10 mess. Yeah. I, to, so much so that I was like, okay, I have to help here. Yeah. I do. I'm like, okay, uh, I've got deodorant in my hockey bag. I don't even use it. So here, like, you can have this. I've got the Tassimo in the classroom. I'll make you a coffee. Um, your video today will be fine as long as you calm down. You know, you'll be good. Yeah. And I'm sorry that your wife talked to you while you brush your teeth. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> I I am very routine driven. I have, and that's the only way I don't forget things is I have a routine and an order in which I do things. And if somebody interrupts that order, then I forget things. So usually my wife is asleep when I get up in the morning and I do my whole morning routine. And so after I brush my teeth, I fill up a glass with water and I put it on the counter and then I take my pills. But she talked to me while I was brushing my teeth, and while I finished brushing my teeth, she was still talking to me, so I didn't fill up the glass with water. 
So therefore, I forgot to take my pill. And because I forgot to take my pill, after I take my pill is when I put on the deodorant. Forgot to put on the deodorant. I think it was also that I was nervous about this video crew sure. coming into the classroom. We were 100% nervous, too. Oh, yeah. but what a day. You saved my butt, too. That was awesome. And, uh, and, and I don't know, I mean, as much as I should have put on deodorant, but I, I, I felt like I needed it to be on film, even though, like, we don't have smell-o-vision. <laughs> smell-o-vision hasn't yeah. come in yet. It hasn't come out yet. Not but, I mean, for the people around me, it would have been a good idea, because I was probably sweating extra that day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you gave me the coffee, you gave me the deodorant. There was nothing anybody could do about the pills, but uh, other than the the person recording me, <laughs> constantly telling me to stop slapping the table, because <laughs> as I talk, apparently I'm like Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights, I don't know what to do with my hands, so I kept talking and then slapping my hands down to make my point, banging the table, and he's like, you just exploded the mic again, you need to, you need to stop, we're going to cut, do that again, say that again, this time, don't slap the table. Uh, and I kept slapping the table. I think he had me sit on my hands at the end. I did not remember that, but this is my first time recording in here in the carport without bringing the table in, too. Normally, I have the mic sitting on the table. Oh, okay. But here, I'm rocking it on the little, I don't yeah. know what you call this, it's boom. quite a little setup here. That's yeah, okay. I like yeah. it. I like it. It gets the job done. Yeah. It's a, that's a fancy mic you got there. It's just a blue Yeti. Yeah. Apparently I have the, like... the, 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 the snowball, the blue snowball. What's that one? It's just the the cheaper version than the Yeti. It's made by the same company, Blue. Okay. But it's a sphere, so they call it a snowball. What on earth was that? That was a bird. That was a bird. That's a the morning dove, I think. Scared me. It was right behind me. Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah. I don't remember what we were saying. Oh, snowball. Yeah. Yeah, the Blue Yeti is the best one. We have one of those in our innovative education office. It's awesome. See, I just, I knew, I got this thing where I'm like, what are people using? Mm-hmm. I, I go with what most people are using, right? It's not a bad way to do it. Um, I actually looked up, I got this on May 15th, because I was like, how long have I been podcasting? So May 15th, and then I think I posted my first on May 24th. I do find it weird that the mute light is illuminated when it is not muted. I, I also find that weird. When it's flashing, it is when it's, it's muted. muted. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. But I mean, we full on had to like do a test. I'm like, that is that is weird. Yeah, yeah. that's a good observation. Not Let's intuitive. do a check here. This is like the new. Have you played with the new Google Meet features? Um, the least intuitive thing ever. No. So there's now what they call host controls in Google Meet. And one of the things is what they call quick access. So they have been promising a waiting room for Google Meet. They didn't call it a waiting room. They called it quick access, which is actually an unwaiting room. So when quick access is on, kids can just enter quickly. But everybody thinks it's the opposite. When you turn it on, I want the waiting room on. Right. But it's now off when you turn it on. So trying to explain to a whole bunch of teachers who teach in the virtual school that you need to turn off the feature if you want it on is so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to deal with guys like you and me that are going to be like, well, that, that doesn't make sense, and you got to hear about it, right? Because mm-hmm. they're going to say what they're thinking. Yeah, because people think we have a, I have a direct line to Google. It's weird what people think. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's as if when you speak tech and someone doesn't speak tech, that you know magic, and yeah. we, don't, we don't know magic. It is kind of, though, right? Like, I, I often think about, like, what my kids will see in their lifetime. If you had told us when we were kids that 
that the generation below us would be able to sit with their own personal screen the size of a piece of paper in their lap, watch any show they want, whenever they want, commercial free, by just tapping on it, we would have said that was magic. Mm -hmm. You are talking about magic. Witchcraft! Yeah. Witchcraft! Yeah. Burn them! Burn them! Yeah, but That's it's crazy to, to imagine what, what Cooper and Caitlin will see in their lifetime things are moving so fast that's why it's important to, that like, people fixate on the tool and I've always been like a big push pusher of like you need to teach kids to be flexible to be like willing to try mm -hmm. fiddle play to learn it because by the time you figure out a tool, there's something else that's better. It's already outdated. And yeah. people get so mad about the fact that I just got this figured out and now we've introduced something else. And it's like, but yeah, but you've got, that's the way it's going to be. There's We're always going to be use somebody. That tool. We're learning how to use tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The amount of people that were mad when we moved from primarily using Office 365 products like Word to Google Docs and stuff like that and it's like I want you to look at these two side by side almost no difference mm -hmm. right there's the same they've even named the menus the same file insert yep. view right like all the buttons look the same you, there's a still a U with an underline under it for underline there's a big fat B for bold like th they're very very similar what you're doing is still word processing doesn't matter which when we went from word perfect to word and now to Google Docs it's word processing, it, and the features are essentially the same. They might have a few differences. And they're better. They're better. They're easier. Yeah. They work with all the other stuff all you should be using. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote here PAB Kids. Do you remember what a PAB Kid is? No. P-A-B. Page Adams oh, Bates. Oh, yes. Page Adams Bates. Yes. Um, the PAB Kids. Yes. Yeah, because usually I would I would wind up passing my class. It felt like anyway. Yeah. My grade sixes would go to you in grade seven. Yeah. And there'd be a lot of commonality. Maybe mm -hmm. because they're trying to find, you know, the the kids that need a couple of males or whatever. I don't know how exactly it w worked out to be that way. Yeah. It was probably by accident. But yeah, then there were certain kids that would be in my class, yours, and then they'd go off to Bates' class. Yeah. And all three of us leveraged tech pretty well. Yeah. So, you know, it was, I remember getting compliments, like, even after I left the school, like, oh, we got, like, you know, there's a good eight PABs this year. <laughs> yeah. Nice little compliment, yeah. you know, because there's that sense of trying to pass those kids to the next grade and yep. put them in good hands, right? Yeah. And say, like, hey, you know, you're ready for this now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, those, those were big meetings for me, those class placement meetings, because, yeah, you spend 10 months with these kids, you want... You want to send them to the best place possible. Yep. Where they right. should be. Right. And uh, it always bothered me when when we were not consulted, when classes were made. Mm -hmm. I've been in situations where classes were made by, like, random draw, and, and that's bothered me. And Or when they've, like, the biggest push in the last few years I was in the classroom was it shouldn't matter who the teacher is. Mm -hmm. You build balanced classes... And then you should be able to put any teacher in and it should be fine. But, but I, that's always bugged me because you can't deny that teachers have personalities and students have personalities. Yeah. And there are some certain personalities that are going to click and some that are not. So while, yes, you can make a classroom 
balanced based on behaviors, academics, IEPs, whatever, all these things that you want to balance. Gender for some reason. Sure. You focus on the gender yeah. thing. Um, you can make all those things as balanced as you want. But if you've got oil and water between teacher and, and student, it's not going to go as well. Like I always equate, like I worked with Hoogs, um, Michelle Hoogstein as a great partner for a long time. And her and I have always, we've been good friends for many, many years. But we're complete opposites in how we teach and how we interact with the kids and things like that. Uh, and she's a phenomenal teacher, but very different than me. She's mm -hmm. the artsy fartsy kind of like, like, like she gets ticked off when people call something art and it's a craft. Whereas like everything I can think of oh, as shit. art is probably I, how a craft. Pissed her off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not art. That's a craft. Um, but so we have very different ways of seeing the world and very different ways of teaching and interacting with kids. Um, and for years when we worked together at our old school, she was the grade six teacher who would hand me students and she would bring me these like these accommodations she'd made for these kids. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's stupid that this kid's going to sort this out. I'm always the one that's like, this kid's going to learn some independence and they are going to figure this out on their own. Whereas she has been the one that's like holding their hands and, and you know, I've got this kid that wears glasses and he always forgets his glasses. So I've brought an empty styrofoam meat tray and I've put their name on it. And this is where they leave their glasses on the corner of your desk every day. I'm like, no, that's not happening. I'm not, I'm not having a kid's glasses on my desk every day. Nope, nope, you can keep the meat tray. <laughs> this, kid, <laughs> this kid's going to learn to hold on to his glasses or he's going to lose his glasses. That's all there is to it. So we have very different ways of doing things. And so then there are certain students that would function better in her room than mine if those are the two options. So it's always bugged me when they just say, like, we'll just make balanced classes and it doesn't matter who goes where. And it doesn't even matter if you do make balanced classes because some teachers play the role of the victim. Sure. And then you hear or you have to hear about how one class is easier than the other. You right. know, the, the kids were given to you and, and it's like... We're all trying, we all should be trying to just make the best out of whatever we have. Sure. Right? And like and some of that's nothing. driver error too, yeah. right? But there's nothing more satisfying as a teacher mm -hmm. than taking what is known as the worst class in the school and fixing it. Yeah. Right? Like, like going from that and putting effort in and then having that class turn around and become better... That's a very rewarding thing, right? It's to true. have teachers at the beginning of the year who've said, I hate teaching your class. I would rather walk on nails and, and, and hot pokers in the eyes. I hate having to come into your classroom. Your kids are the worst. And then by the end of the year saying, your class is so fun. You're yeah. my favorite class to teach. That, like as a teacher, that, that's awesome. It's a great feeling. Um, and you only get that. If you've got the worst class at some point. It's true. Yeah. And if you've got an awesome class to start the year, then, you know, there's nowhere to go but up. I had that once. You were there. Yeah. Where I had a class and it was like, we got to April and I was like, I don't know what else to do with you guys. Like, literally, you're already beyond where I've always hoped a class would end up by the end of the year. So, uh, you tell me. And then you guys made it like a school leadership thing. You started yeah. going around and seven Adamsing people. Seven eight. You got seven eight. Yeah, that class was awesome. We had this. Uh, we had these little calling cards made up that said, "You just got seven eight. and we were doing uh, secret flash mob random acts of kindness, where we would we were listening around the school for teachers or students or people that needed help with something, and we would like flash mob in help, and then flash mob out and just leave like our. You got seven card. eight call calling card, yeah. So like when the when they were setting up the gym for some sort of like spring assembly, 
and we heard that the the teacher was like, I got to get all of these leaves and bird pictures colored in and cut out and hung up in the gym, and I've got yard duty. So then we snuck into a room at recess. We stole all of them. We cut them all out, colored them all in, and put them all and then hung them all up in the gym during that one recess because we had she was going to do it all by herself. And we had the whole class do it all at once, and we just left our calling card. You got seven eight. And we bust in. Well, we got we we freaked out a few people when we bust into that kindergarten class and just. I think I yelled. Everybody, grab a kid. <laughs> <laughs> My grade sevens all grabbed a kindergarten kid, and they all had a picture book that we had gotten from the library. And we grabbed a, a kid, and we like they read. They just did like a read aloud with uh, the kindergarten kids, and then we just took off and we left. <laughs> we left this little piece of paper that said, "You got seven eight lying on the floor." Um, yeah, we started doing that. It was fun. That was a great group of kids. I think you had them the year before too. I did yeah. Yeah, they were awesome. That was a special group. They definitely were, man. Um, let's see here. I think that. Well, I wrote down you're hilarious and you bring life and energy to the room. <laughs> I'm legitimately happy whenever I get to see you, and it was Me great too. working with you all those years. But when you were the tech coach coming in to support the school I was working in. It was, like, extra fun for me. It was fun for me, too. Because it was, you know, like, I was in 18 schools. So getting to go somewhere where one of my friends were uh, and then getting to go and hang out in his classroom and, you know, we could throw out those inside jokes and, you know, I I knew what you were comfortable with and you knew what I was comfortable with and stuff like that. It was fun. We could banter off each other. It was like co-teaching. Yep. That, That kind of stuff is fun. When you're meeting a teacher for the first time, you can't really do that. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun coaching in your classroom. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah you actually roped me into singing. That's right. Tell that story, please. Yeah, yeah, you were, we were teaching the kids how to use a program called Soundtrap where they record their voice, and the lesson that I would do was I would teach the kids how to lay down a, a drum track and then a bass track and then a melody, and then I would give them the lyrics to a song that went with it and have them sing it, and I just decided to say, Mr. Page will demonstrate this for you. And you played along and you sang it. And so I recorded it and we, I still have it. And uh, I think I just threw it on somebody's Facebook page recently. Because <laughs> <You laughs> I did put it to video as well. I took a picture of you and cut your face out and uh, had you driving around in a car with your face on it and stuff and having you sing the song. It was awesome. And you played it for my class as well last That's year. Right. There were a couple of mutual kids that were like, oh, I remember that, but... Hey, baby. Hey. How are you? Good. You're on my podcast. Thanks for being a guest. Come sit down. No, it's not it. It's not locked because I'm sitting right here. Right, right, right. I defended the door. Good for you. Yeah, when is your episode? (laughs) She she will join me at some point. Yeah. Maybe when we're, like, all locked down again. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing else to do. nothing better to do. (laughs) All right, I guess we can do it now. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I keep waiting to hear it. All right. She's like, keep waiting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, someday I'm going to have her. I mean, on the podcast. Right. Right, right, right. I already have her. Kind of. Get in the house. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) So you and I won an intermediate boys volleyball area runners up pennant we sure did and it was a big effing deal yeah it was i think it was the first one i'd ever won 
I had been coaching intermediate boys and girls and junior boys and girls volleyball at my previous school for 11 years, as well as soccer. And I had never won a pennant, ever. I'm not a good coach, um, but... You're helpful. But I, I, I go where I'm needed, and I go where I enjoy going. And so, yeah, it was nice having somebody who was a good coach to learn from. Thank you. And, um, yeah, and seeing the benefit of having that come to fruition. That was a good group of kids. That was boys. They were athletic, and I had coached them in years past as well. Yeah. So, yeah, they were primed, and I think that we had gotten our butts kicked a couple times, and I think that they had rallied from it. You need that, though. Yeah. The closest I I had ever come to getting a pennant was in my second year at my previous school, um, and we had just a phenomenal team. And then during the regular, the route, the regular season, which we make up our own season, um, we never lost a game against anybody. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the playdowns. They lost the first game. It was a close one, but they lost it, and they had never lost before. And it destroyed them. And mm-hmm. they didn't know how to lose, and they didn't know how to function after losing. And they fell apart. They started yelling at each other, bringing each other down. And after that, I always said, like, I want to make sure that, that my teams know how to win but also know how to lose. Cause it's good to lose. they got to be able to bounce back. And that team, they, they should have won everything that year. They were phenomenal. Um, and the other coach that was the good coach, he was a, a varsity volleyball player. Uh, so he knew what he was doing. And he said, this is a special group. Uh, this team should go far. And we watched them just implode in that first game. And it was a close game. They did well. But when they lost it, they, they, wouldn't, they couldn't come back. So, yeah. I think you got to learn to win, but you also got to learn to lose and be able to rebound from it. Volleyball is that, like, momentum sport, man. Yeah. You know, you have to, oh, yeah. you have to own it and keep possession of it. Yeah. Or you just lose. You lose. But we got that pennant. And Carruthers has, like, a really strong athletic background. Yeah. Many, many pennants hanging in the gym. Um, high expectations, I feel like. Yeah. Or at least I felt earlier in my career there were always expectations on the Orange team to win. Yeah. Um, these days, I, I feel like whenever we're allowed to coach again, <laughs> i got a much more rational view of what that should look like. Well, yeah. I mean, you've now been to the other side. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, where so. it's hard to have a team because you know kids don't know what they're missing. Cause yeah, they've never been on sports teams before. And that was the other thing that happened at my other school was like you hold tryouts and you have five kids that come. Yep. And you're like, I cannot run a volleyball team with five kids. I'm really sorry, guys. I mean, you tried your hardest, and I wish we had a team for you, but you can't do it with five kids. It's worse with seven because you try. <laughs> yes. Because you try, and then yeah. one's sick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And one suspended. Yeah. Okay. No. So then you're just mad. Yep. But yeah, we sure did win that pennant. That was awesome. I was very excited. And I remember how it was was a good moment for me because I had won early in my career. I'd won the uh, Intermediate Girls um, Basketball Championship, whole, whole Durham thing. And I was just assistant coaching as well. Sorry, not just. I was assistant coaching as well. Not to minimize our role, but right. um, but it happened early on, and I it was kind of like, huh, cool, this is what happens, you know. But yeah. like, you're not supposed to always win. You don't win very often. It's no. a special thing, right? Yep. And 
you had come from a school where you, you guys just didn't do well athletically, nope. and it was an area runner-up. And although I was happy, and the team that won, like they were probably better. Was it? Yeah. Uh, was it Delaire? I think it was yeah. in Delaire, right? In their gym. Yes, in their gym. Yeah. So like they deserved to beat us. They did. And we deserved the pennant that we got. Yep. And you were actually the one that was celebrating it the right way. Like I was so excited. Yeah. I had never won a pennant. And so I was so excited, yeah. And I was like, yeah, the kids were disappointed because, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I think sometimes, like they say, like in a lot of those things, the second place is sometimes harder than third because a lot of those teams, you got to win to get third. You lose to get second, mm-hmm. right? Like you watch that kid in the last World Juniors there that, that threw his silver medal over the over the glass into the stands and then apologized the next day, but... You know, like they had just lost the gold medal game, and then you're expected to smile and wave because you got this silver medal. So, yeah, I was excited because we got something, and I had never gotten anything before. And I did feel like the other team deserved to beat us. Uh, they played better, and but our team played as well as they could have. Like yeah. there was no, there was no, there was no slight you could put on our guys. No. They 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 did everything that they could. The other team was just better, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was pumped. I buckled it into my the seatbelt and. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> made sure pictures. that it was protected. Yeah. This morning, knowing yeah. that we were going to sit down today, I sent you a picture because yeah. I went through and yeah. the one with it all buckled into the seatbelt, and then you sent me the one with you snuggled in. Yeah, your I bed. snuggled in bed with it. Yeah, yeah. We were going to put that in the slideshow or something. I don't know if we ever did that though. We were going to show the we kids. Should've. Yeah, we should have. And both of us clean shaven because it was like the first day of November. That's right. Yeah. So it was like a rare occurrence where neither of us had any facial hair whatsoever. I won the golden mustache. Did you win the golden mustache that year? I think so. Did you get the soap on a rope? I did. Yeah. That was always my prize for whoever got the the most. Yeah. The best was, I think the second year, the year after that was our principal won it. And we got to give him the the testicle soap on a rope. (laughs) (laughs) So anatomically correct with one slightly lower than the other and everything else. Yeah, the left one. Well, depending on how it spins. It should be the left one, but... When you're holding it from a rope, it, it just spins around and around. Right. I guess if you're washing your backside, you have to turn the rope, and so it can. Be... <laughs> I don't know. You've got it. I never. I never want it. You had the soap on a rope. I guess you would be more. I don't think I ever rubbed it on my body. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it was so unsettling to look at. So accurate for a soap on a rope. That's fantastic. But I think it's awesome that they do that, that they sell those things. Well, I've got two last things here that right. I, I wanted to say before we wrapped up. One is once a coyote, always a coyote. Yep. And I'm saying that because I left the school and then I came back and you've left the school but you in many ways come back. Yeah. In many ways I never left, yeah. You never left and I think what's cool about it is the fact that like we have no trouble getting together, whether in a larger group or a smaller group, and just being coyotes together. You know, just like the time doesn't matter. There's different iterations of when we worked there and what years we were bonded by. Yep. But like we get together with PD regularly, who's been retired what four years now, three something years, something like that. Yeah, something like that. And well, the fact that I we, we just talked about Bates, the fact that I met Bates. And got to know Bates before she came back to Crothers. That's right. Right? I never worked with Bates until she came back. And then, like, but I had already known her because of hanging out 
because again, once a coyote, always a coyote. Coyote. When we would go out, other people who used to work at Crothers would come and join in, and so you get to meet people that used to work there. And then when they come back, you're now <laughs> coworkers. Yeah. And it's funny because all three of the pabs, all the, the pab kids, we all made returns to Carruthers after leaving Carruthers. Yeah. It's kind of weird, eh? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I was there a lot less frequently than you guys because I had 18 schools and Carruthers was one of them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was an awesome place. I can honestly say that I would not be a facilitator right now if I had not moved to Carruthers. The, the way that I was encouraged and empowered to take a leadership role there, I would never have had the courage to apply for the tech coach role um, if it hadn't been for the support of like Ann Taylor and um, and you guys at uh, at Crothers. Like, like Ann completely encouraged like my the, the the I loved using tech mm-hmm. and Ann just she enabled you to do enabled that. it like just. But giving me that um, that class, the the tech time class with the so grade seven and eights, got one period a cycle of just learning a new piece of tech, a new software, a new thing you could do. Um, that allowed me to essentially do the tech coach thing before there was ever such a thing. Right. And then have she always wanted me to present at staff meetings. Mm-hmm. That allowed me to figure out how to teach teachers about technology and stuff so which is what got you your gig maybe yeah right? so I mean yeah I was very encouraged and empowered uh, to take on a leadership role when I was at Crothers which I cannot say was the case at my previous school um, so yeah yeah it totally changed everything for me and I will always I will always feel like a coyote Crothers seems to make leaders yeah um, a lot which of people hard I worked with at Demi Ridge they were from Crothers before oh, my day yeah. And a lot of those staff members from Vimy Ridge, my days working with them, so many of them are now vice principals, principals, coaches, facilitators. Like, it really is like, I don't know what about it made leadership, you know, like really show up. Maybe it's the size of the school. It could be. Like-minded people can find each other more easily. I don't know. Could be. I think that the, the people there just encourage it. They, they sort of encourage you to find what you're good at and go with it. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I never been, I never felt so empowered and encouraged as when I was there. Like walking in and being put into the tech team with you and Sandy and Keon and um, and then Alan and Alan. Well, Alan later because she was on Matt Lee right. when I started. That's right. Um, but yeah, and then like having people sort of trust me with that and then. Um, you know, taking it from there, yeah, it was great. I, like, I would not be where I am today had I not transferred to Crothers when I did. And I wish I could have been there longer, um, but you got to take these opportunities when they come. You go places, you serve your purpose, you move on. Yep. Yep. Um, I can honestly say that I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for friends like you. Um, oh. Coming up to a year ago, I lost my stepmom to cancer. Yeah. And when we had that celebration of life, I saw so many faces, but yours was one of them. Yeah. And those are not easy things to show up to as a friend. So I appreciate that very much. Yeah. I don't think death is your favorite thing in the world to talk about or whatever. It's not, but no, it isn't for anybody, right? And I think 
I don't know. When when people that you care about are going through stuff, you show up. Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody that was there with me that day, we all knew that you were going through stuff. Yeah. And we wanted to make sure we showed up. And, like, I had never met your stepmom. Right. So, I mean, there were people that were there for her. There were people that were there for your dad. And there were people that were there for you. Right. Um, and I think that showed the way, I don't know, it showed your family and how much of social creatures and how much you've impacted other people. That there was, like, that place was full. It was full. Right? And, I mean, they were all there to support you as a family, mm-hmm. right? Between your stepmom, your dad, you, everybody was there because they wanted to for all of you right whether we knew all of you or not I met your dad for the first time that day that's right it's it's an awkward time to meet somebody for the first time (laughs) Um, you'd heard uh, so many stories I'd heard so many stories it was nice to finally put a face to the name Um, but yeah I mean it's tough anytime you go through something like that let me hit you with a Doug story just to lighten things up my dad's notoriously very very careful guy okay careful is a good way to say anxious okay (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> a positive way to say anxious. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, lately, he's been he's been calling on you know myself and my sister on his ride home from work kind of thing. Sometimes he'll brag about how fast he's going. Okay. Um, there's no one on the roads right now. I'm doing a buck twenty eight. I'm doing a buck thirty. <laughs> Hopefully, he's not driving through a school zone. No. Okay. On Wednesday this past week, he's doing. Uh, what was it? 78 and a 50 gets pulled over. <laughs> and he says to the officer, says, well, as you can see, officer, I've got a clean record, and I really do want to keep it that way. Yeah. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. Comes back with two tickets. One for speeding, one because his license plate had peeled. <laughs> <laughs> you get a ticket for your license plate peeling? <laughs> and the cop said... Yeah, the license plate, you know, that was a bad batch that year. Yes. You could probably fight this. So, uh, and then he said, I hope the rest of your day goes better than this did. (laughs) My dad goes, I hope you don't have a very good day. (laughs) So he, and he, so he totally thought he was getting off. Yes. And he gets two tickets. Yes. One for something completely out of his control. Uh Uh-huh. That's awesome. Because he said what he he said. said. Yeah. And yesterday he was visiting um, for my niece Annabelle's birthday. Again, happy birthday, sweetie. Don't listen to me. Um, yeah. We're there, and he parked in the driveway, and his butt end was hanging out probably a good foot and a half onto yeah. the road. And everyone said, hey, watch out. You know, this, the, the city of Barrie is pretty bad. They'll come around, and they'll, yeah. they'll ticket you for that, right? So while he was having the party, I have this stack of asshole tags that I keep in my car. There's these little little sticky. It's like a sticky note. Yeah. It says, "Nice parking job, Dick Brain." <laughs> and then there's a shitty sketch of an X-ray machine with a skeleton head, and inside for a brain is a dick. And it's <laughs> there's an arrow saying X-ray machine. You. <laughs> Did you put it on his car? I peeled it off and I put it face down on his on his uh, windshield, and I'm filming. <laughs> as he's leaving so he's going to the car yeah as I'm filming my brother-in-law comes up behind me and goes hey do you do do you always do this this is kind of creepy and I go shh you're wrecking it you're, yeah, be quiet stop it I want him I want I want to catch this yeah so as we're filming it my dad's getting ready to leave 
my brother-in-law right behind me, his mom steps into the scene right oh. in front of the camera and starts doing the, you know, I stepped in poop. I got to oh, scrape no, it off scraping my it off on the step? She's scraping it off on the step right in the camera. And I'm like, what's happening right now? <laughs> hey, get your mom out of the shot. What's going on? Like, oh, Christ. Come on, get out of the way here. So you and missed then, it. No, I didn't miss it. She oh, wound got... up moving out of the way. I think she got the poop off after, poop off after but good stuff. My dad looks and he looks at it, and, and uh, his girlfriend goes, "What? What are you? What? What is that?" He says, "That asshole." He turns and points to me, <laughs> <laughs> and you were still filming, and I was still filming. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's another Doug story. That's for so you. good. I love the Doug stories. I love them. Well, I love the fact that you uh, made time for me on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks for bringing the beers and stuff, I feel very honored to be too. part of There's the... a bird behind you. I, I know. I to scare you. I know. They startle me. Well, thanks for having me, buddy. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely. And keep listening, man. I Thank will. Thank you. I will. And Falcon, if you're listening, looking for a sponsor, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Shameless plug. It's Rick's podcast.